The following episode of the Movie Club podcast can and will contain spoilers. Please be aware of this before you listen. Thank you. Welcome to the Movie Club Podcast, episode number 13. This is a weekly, no, it's not weekly, it's a monthly, <laughs> if that, podcast where we uh, get together and discuss two movies that were pre-selected, uh, one of which was usually voted on by you, the listeners. And of course, this time around, it's a very special podcast because we decided to talk about all four Alien movies from the so-called Alien Quadrilogy. So four movies for the price of one, or price of two, I guess. Uh, strap yourself in. We're going to get into this. Uh, but let's, uh, let's go around the room and around the Internet and introduce all the participants. Uh, my name is Sean from FilmJunk.com. My name is Kurt from Twitch Film and Row 3. Uh, my name is Jay from the documentary blog and Film Junk. I'm Marina from Row3.com. I am Andrew from Row 3. And I'm Omar from Twitch. So uh, this is probably going to be a little bit of a longer episode. We'll see how things go. But the plan is to basically devote half an hour to each movie. And uh, we'll see where things go from there. Uh, But let's just start with number one. Alien. uh, Directed by Ridley Scott. Released in 1979 and, uh, you know, said by some to be one of the scariest movies of all time. Um, Of course, Sigourney Weaver starring. Um, Maybe we should just kind of go around and give our sort of each personal take on these on this particular movie. Um, I can start by saying that um, I have memories of watching this um, with my dad when I was young, so this movie, I don't, I don't really remember much about it, but you know, at the time, it, it definitely freaked me out. Um, and you know, I, I won't give it away whether or not. I guess we should kind of save what our favorite movie out of all four uh, till the end when we kind of do a poll and 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 decide on it that way. But I will say this is one of my favorites of of the four for sure. And uh, yeah, I, I just think. Uh, it's a classic horror movie, not so much sci-fi, strangely enough. It's it's basically straight up a horror movie just in space. Um, so sort of like Jason X, pretty similar. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll throw it over to you, Kurt. First impressions, uh, background with Alien. I don't actually remember when I first saw it. I, I was a bit too young to see it in the theater, um, so I must have saw it on. VHS, but back 
even in the early 80s, they used to do rap stuff in the regular theaters occasionally. I don't know if the, if Alien came around and re-release or not. I don't really know when I watched the movie the first time, but I've watched it many, many, many times, and uh, I've bought it many, many times. I think I've owned four or five different releases over time. Uh, right. And it it's one of those movies that actually gets better with each rewatch. I, I think it's a kind of almost... At least at the age, I found it kind of boring the first, when I when I was young and watched it. But then you realize it's the breathing of the movie that really makes it shine, and that's actually part of the appeal is how slow it builds. Definitely, Jay. Uh, I don't remember when I first saw this either, but um, <clears throat> I know I definitely had seen um, Aliens before I saw Alien. Um, so going back to Alien, I mean, as a kid, I, I remember liking it, but obviously going from, you know, the idea of multiple aliens to one as a kid is a downgrade. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, I did like it, and it is uh, definitely uh, a classic horror film. Marina? I don't really recall... Uh, having seen it before, to be honest, I remember bits and pieces. It was either so far, so long in the past that I just don't remember all of it, or I probably had never seen the whole thing from beginning to end. So it was uh, definitely an experience, and the order that I watched them in sort of threw in a loop too, because it was definitely a change of pace from the last two films, which I saw first. So it was uh, interesting. It's really good. Like you guys said, it's a really great, effective horror film. More than a sci-fi film, I would say. Uh, okay, well, on a personal level, um, I would say that if it wasn't for the Alien quadrilogy, there would probably not be a Curtin Andrew cinecast. Uh, and hence, probably not a Row 3 and probably not this podcast. So there's a little bit of trivia for you. Um uh-huh. Do you want to explain that? <laughs> yeah, well, we we got talking at the Toronto After Dark, and wh- I don't remember why we got talking about aliens, but that was what like re- we got into like an hour long conversation over beers about Alien, and this was like three years ago, and you know from then on probably it was better like, labeled as an argument. Um... Yes, it was an <laughs> argument, which will continue here. And at, at that point, I was just—I thought to myself, "Dude, you would be perfect for this uh, this podcast I want to start doing." And he said, "Yeah, awesome." So there you go. Because of aliens, there's a, another podcast out there for you to listen to. Um, in ter- okay, in terms of Alien One, though, um, uh, I I guess this is one of those movies when I was a kid that I only really got to see it when I was over at friends' houses. It was just. It was more for the novelty of seeing a lot of scary shit and violence that my mom wouldn't let me watch on HBO, and uh, I kind of, I kind of agree with Kurt. Was when I was a kid, it was maybe a little bit boring. Um, you know, you just wanted to wait for all the cool shit that happens, but it takes so long in between all those things. But like he said, as you get older, you realize that that building of anticipation of all the different discoveries that happen through Alien. Um, is what makes it good. So I like Alien a lot. It's not my favorite, but uh, I do like it, and I see the rewatch value is extremely high. Yeah, uh, for me, I'm not really sure when I saw, saw the first one, just like everybody 
everyone else here. And I'm pretty sure I saw it after I saw Aliens, um, although I can't remember. But I was familiar with the uh, pop culture uh, impact it had cause, um, because of basically the chestbuster scene and all that stuff because that had saturated over to pop culture references and stuff like that like space balls and stuff and all that stuff. So I was aware of it before I, before I saw it. And then I probably saw aliens and then sought out alien. And I'm pretty sure I liked it even then when I was, uh, when did aliens come out? 86. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, it was like 15 back then. So, yeah. Uh, so yeah, and it's been always been my uh, one of my favorites of all time. So, uh, and mainly because of the atmosphere it builds up and how it takes its time, and it is it is it, the film basically is keeps going for an hour until anything happens that might be considered horrible or horror or anything like that. So. Well, that's uh, that's basically the biggest reason why I like it because of the whole build-up and, and the atmosphere it, it it creates. So yeah, and we should do do we mention um, that I think I think all of us have the big like nine disc box set of the Alien Quadrilogy, and me personally, for all of these movies, I watched the the director's cut or the special edition version, which. Mm. In, all but one, I believe, are longer. I think one right. of them is actually shorter. Of the director's, the cut, director's right? cut of Alien is one minute shorter than the theatrical, and they added four or five minutes of extra scenes, so the actual beginning of Alien is significantly trimmed to get you to the uh, Alien on the ship. Um, so It is interesting that out of the four, I think Ridley Scott is the only one who did a director's cut, I believe. Is this true? Can, what are you guys talking about? Well, uh... <laughs> you're supposed to ignore it, not uh, ask what we're talking about. Um, so, um, I, I, no, Aliens has a director's cut. Oh, okay, but it's not yeah. the one that's on the, on, yeah. in the box set? Yeah. Oh, okay. Because it's labeled I think... special edition, but... Well, I, I mean, the, uh... I guess it depends on what you. I, I think Ridley Scott, uh, Ridley Scott's is, and James Cameron's are directors' cuts, right? Okay. Aren't they? Yeah, that's true. Because the introduction, James Cameron says he likes this version better than the other, so that makes sense. But yeah, um, I, I, I think that uh, Ridley Scott was the only one who did one specifically for that set, because I don't think it had been released. The director's cut of Aliens had been released before, way before. So no, I think all of, them are, right? all of them are special for the set except the James Cameron one. So you're right in that the James Cameron one was played on TV for years and years and years. Um, right. But the uh, Ridley but, Scott one ended up in theaters as well, right? That's right. I saw it. I saw it nicely. Yeah. Uh, oddly enough, I think it was the first film that I saw on the <laughs> local multiplexes digital. I found it funny that they re-released the 1979 movie and I, <laughs> I actually watched the re-release <laughs> on a digital screen, but in that big box set and all the ones that versions that we've already watched is worth getting out of the way is alien three is actually not the director's cut. It's, it's the editor yeah. from the film 
assembly cut. from David yeah. Fincher's notes because David Fincher was so pissed off of the nightmare that the production was that he wouldn't he was the only director that did not come back and do anything and Jean-Pierre Jeunet's director's cut of Alien Resurrection has a change the opening shot and the closing shot are changed but the rest of the film is identical and he says he prefers the original version yeah he said the theatrical was the director's cut yeah he did he just did it so that they could all have two versions I guess um one interesting thing Omar, when you talk, like, I guess, talking about the idea of it being uh, kind of uh, in pop culture and not having seen it, but being aware of it. This is one of those movies as a kid that I had always seen the poster for, Mm. and it's the iconic poster. And uh, there's a, a bunch of movies in the 80s that I was more familiar with the posters. Uh, and then I, when I saw them, when I grew up um, making that connection, like I know A Clockwork Orange was that way, this was that way. Um, and another thing back then was stuff like um, there were trading cards. I think Alien may have been in these trading cards, uh, like collector cards of horror movies. And mm-hmm. Fangoria Magazine and Gorezone Magazine, I remember going through there and there would be articles about certain effects in movies and getting right. familiar with those shots from those magazines, not knowing what they were as a kid, just being, you know, familiar with the visuals. And then later, like I remember a shot of uh, like a, a man eating brains out of half of a head and thinking <laughs> that looks like the, the creepiest, weirdest movie ever. And uh, it was Peter Jackson eating brains out <laughs> of a head from bad taste. Bad taste. Um, so, yeah, it's interesting back in the 80s, kind of becoming familiar with these movies based on the fact that, you know, they just started coming out on video and being pushed in magazines and, and trading cards and merchandising. Well, it's funny you mentioned the poster because the actual poster is wrong. <laughs> that iconic poster, it's like a white egg yeah, and <laughs> in the poster, and it's like a leathery, slimy, mm-hmm. brownish egg in the movie i think they had the poster done before yeah, they actually probably. finalized the, well, the designs and get it stuck even though the movie it never has anything like that in any of the films but i think the marketing of the movie was one of those big things right because there's the tagline in space no one can hear you scream which i think they use that in the trailers as well right and that was like one of the big selling points and one of the things that got people really pumped for this movie actually the it originated with in space no one can hear you eat ice cream which <laughs> yeah. i believe is the right. killer clowns from outer space the, it was tagline. yeah i was yeah. playing on that yeah <laughs> it was a spoof of that <laughs> and they and uh for when they were planning to uh right uh, when they planned to do alien 3 when it was supposed to take place on earth because i remember seeing a teaser trailer for that when it was supposed to take place on Earth, and then the tagline was, on Earth, everyone can hear you scream. (laughs) (laughs) Right, and they have that kind of creepy font, too, on the poster for Alien. Like, not all of the brush strokes are there for each character. Right. You know, like, the A is missing one side, and E is just, like, three horizontal lines. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. how the credits come in. I love that actually. As yeah, opening, it's totally credits. awesome. Just yeah. Go that that opening credits. All it is is, I believe, just 
is it a space shot or is it a planet shot? But it's just yeah. It, well, it, it slowly pans past a planet, right? And you just um, see the letters come in, and yeah. and that tells you very clearly that this movie's not in a hurry to get anywhere. You know, mm-hmm. it takes them a good three minutes to build the word alien, mm-hmm. and the rest of the credits are Helvetica. Yeah, <laughs> nice. Take that <laughs> with a really good wasn't it Jerry Goldsmith score mm-hmm. over it. Yeah, it's one. Yeah. Of the, I think one of his best because it was f- funny watching the interviews they uh, on the extras. They were talking to him about working on the movie, and they got into a huge fight over the score because he was doing his Jerry Goldsmith, you know, thing where everything is overblown and overproduced and all, all that stuff. And they were basically trying to rein him in and you know tell him to bring it down way down and and i think he ended uh, i think they ended up pretty much hating each other for a while at least and and they wanted to use actually music from another film that he had scored like freud or something like that and and he was really pissed off because of that because he wanted to do his steven spielberg isms in that like the star trek movie yeah something that was totally would not fit in this movie well i just wanted to bring up the fact that um it's kind of interesting that the whole alien franchise really was basically started by dan o'bannon right because he he wrote the original script and like it's weird because when you look at i mean this is a guy who mainly he was more of like a b b movie kind of guy who um you know he wrote scripts for you know other kind of B-movies after that. Like, I'm didn't he, wasn't it Dark Star his only other film before that? And that was his second script? Well, he, he sold? I believe he wrote the screenplay or was heavily involved. A lot of people that ended up working on Alien were making uh, um, Jodorowsky's version of Dune, which totally mm. collapsed. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I think there was a big fight because Dune was a French production and they wanted to make a Hollywood version of Dune, so they basically sabotaged a lot of Dune in the in the 70s uh, and Jodorowsky's pre-production. They stole a bunch of art designers, and uh, I guess it was so frustrating um, of an experience that Dan O'Bannon just basically left as well and, and, and wrote the Alien script because there was so much trouble. Well, I, mm. I've, I think Dan, o, I don't know if anyone else gets this vibe, but... I think Dan O'Bannon seems like a dick. <laughs> exactly. Uh, uh, like, every time he, I he always talks about everything as though he was like screwed and like his yeah. ideas were taken and butchered and. Well, I mean, yeah, I can kind of maybe and he see wears why that he bow tie would... all the time. <laughs> see, but I, that's what I wanted to mention is that you know it is weird because you you never hear the name Dan O'Bannon mentioned really with regards to the alien franchise anymore it's not like he went on to become this big name director but i think the the key there is that i you know i don't know that his idea was that amazing i think you know they brought in ridley scott who this was i mean i guess he had done the duelists before that but this was his first kind of big breakout movie and and you know it was a risk because this guy hadn't really done anything like this before and um i remember reading things about him like directing on set, like directing the act, the actors and like Sigourney Weaver, and they were really frustrated with him because he wasn't good at that. He was more interested in the set and all that kind of stuff. But in a weird way, I think that 
paid off for the movie. But all the actors yeah. were experienced actors. You weren't you weren't like you know if Alien were be to me were was made today, it would be all like twenty five year olds, and they'd be probably pay, playing like twenty one year old characters in the in the thing. Whereas everyone in like Jason X. <laughs> <laughs> Bingo! Uh, everyone was over thirty in this movie, and uh, I mean, some of the actors were over fifty, right? Uh, and so I guess they all, you know, they they didn't need a director to handhold them. They 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 knew what they were doing. Um, yeah, but someone mentioned uh, something about like Sigourney Weaver being the star. Uh, the one thing that I always loved about Alien when I watched it is that. The credits are not billed in the order of importance of the characters. I mean, Tom Skerritt is, like, they're almost billed by rank on the ship rather than, you know, who's going to make it to the end or who really is the star. So for 1979 audiences, I, again, I don't know how it was marketed on television and in trailers in 1979, uh, but, you know, Sigourney Weaver was just a crew member until everyone else is gone. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that's amazing that would there's so many revelations like like you said it slowly builds to where they find the alien it slowly builds where they come on the ship there's a whole period on the ship before where they think everything's fine again then they start eating dinner then you get the little alien and then you get the much bigger alien and then you get a final sequence on the ship and none of those progressions were really done before i think alien was the first one that had that post third act killer gets up again um and it's funny you mentioned jason x if you look at it, Alien is very much like a slasher film. Mm-hmm. Everyone walks off by themselves and is killed by the slasher. That just happens to be a seven-foot-tall man in suit here. And but, the well, female survives. <laughs> and the survivor well, girl, the woman, yes. The, the thing is, uh, Alien is basically just a 50s monster movie, just done seriously and done well. Because uh, one of the um, things that's been compared to, uh, one of the uh, there are actually two influences... Uh, two movies that have said to have influenced Alien, the storyline, is It, the Terror from Beyond Space, and Planet of the Vampires by Mario Bava. And uh, because there are images and imagery and, and, and the basic storylines of these films are very similar to Alien, in fact. Yeah, and I especially, think... Especially Planet of the Vampires with the... Uh, when they, uh, you know come up on a distressed beacon and go to a planet, find an ancient spaceship with a giant skeleton inside. And, yes, uh, they, they say on the special features somewhere in there that they literally <laughs> recreated yeah. that scene. They just totally stole it. I yeah. think Planet of the Vampires is, like a, is probably a good example of one of the earlier sort of uh, crew on a mission, like the, the kind of, you know, your Leviathan or Abyss or Alien or... Mm. Uh, what have you, um, which is funny because Mario Bava always, he seems to have, you know, the, he not necessarily started, but at least influenced early on many different Genre. subgenres of, of films. Right. Well, I mean, he's a, a slasher guy too, right? Yeah, he yeah. So, twitching I mean, the death nerve is the, the, the considered is, the first slasher film. The so. film, like we said before, it, it plays like a giallo slasher just mm-hmm. with all the science fiction accoutrements or whatever right yeah and i mean in a way it's it's perfect right because i mean you've got you know the horror movie thing is always that you've got to be in like this desolate environment where you 
can't get away or whatever. And, and really space is the ultimate, um, desolate environment. So, I, I mean, I think that's one of the big reasons why this movie works so well, but, um, I just wanted to talk, uh, Sigourney Weaver, I guess this was really her first major role. Like according to IMDB, she had a small part in Annie Hall and she was in a movie called Mad, Madman. That's the only thing before, um, Alien. And of course, after that, a few years later, she did Ghostbusters. That was, uh, her next kind of, is there a baby in the room? <laughs> is there a... uh, just, I'm just removing my uh, hoodie. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, that that's a good point that audiences going in to see this movie when it came out would not have known, first of all, that Sigourney Weaver was kind of the big star, that she was going to be the one that survives any of that stuff. And, you know, I, I don't, I don't necessarily know, maybe you guys can help me out here, but like in terms of, um, strong sort of female leading um, actresses in like an action or, or a horror movie. Have there been others? Were there others just before that? Or was this kind of one of the first ones to do that? Well, keep here's the mind. thing. Uh, 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 the thing is, <laughs> sorry, that no <laughs> Ripley's character wasn't supposed to be a woman. Oh, okay. She was, every, every, every cast member, uh, every character was, a man in the first uh, in the script, and they basically just cast uh, pe- people they really liked, and and uh, I believe some of, some of them said just you know this this Ripley character doesn't have to be a man because there's, there's she doesn't or, or the character doesn't do any you know specifically manly things. Uh, she it's just a you know blue collar worker, and she could be a man or a woman, and they just happened to cast her for the character so so it, it I seems think, like kind of a seems like kind of a random decision though that you know if i think they i think somewhere i recall reading that they ended up the studio i don't think it was ridley scott but i think the studio said you know what we don't have there's nothing really out there with a strong female presence so because all the characters are you know none of them are um you know, gender specific. They said, "Well, let's just make this this character mm. a woman." Hmm. Yeah, well, well, it certainly seemed to work. But yeah, and I was going to say, go, talking to what Omar was saying, that you know, the character doesn't necessarily do anything that's you know, quote unquote, male. But but she's also doesn't do anything that really puts her as a woman either. She she really is oh. just a person, and the fact that she happens to be a female is awesome. And it's interesting to me, and, and I mean, I'm not familiar with the films that, you know, really came before this. I mean, this was even before my time. But it seems to me like even now when you ask someone, you know, give me one really strong female character in film, Ripley's always in the top two, if not the first that always comes to mind. I mean, it's that iconic, which I think is right. awesome. But do you well, think that... Uh, do you think that in the end, if it had been a male, a male character, do you think the end s- sequence with uh, when she gets into the escape pod that the, a guy would have dressed down, down to his underwear, underwear, and <laughs> and then had a scene like that? I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, no, and I, I I agree with that. I don't think that you probably would have seen that, but I mean. <laughs> 
I don't know. I guess it's sort of making use of what you've already got. It, I mean, I didn't really think of it all that much. I think that comes through the whole female thing comes through much more in the second film. It to me, it's really a non-issue here until the very end. But even then, it doesn't. It wasn't really something that struck me, and I don't know if I would have noticed it as much if it wasn't such a part of pop culture. But it, it's really much more apparent, I think, in the later films. It seems all crew-based, you know, hunting some, like being hunted by an alien or some sort of crew disaster movie often now ends with a scene where a woman strips down to her underwear. I think of, like, Deep Blue Sea. I, there's three or four of the movies that, for some reason, that's almost like a, like a cliche at this point. <laughs> strange, strange as it is. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that makes the scene work better though not just you know for the sex appeal but because it's like she's so defenseless because of that and that makes it more tense you know but Mm -hmm. uh yeah i mean i think it's definitely something they play on more in the later films too they do rationalize it because she's going into hibernation and all that so so there is a reason why she did get undressed or almost right and then she had to do it in every movie after that (laughs) Yeah, and I don't think a man would have gone back for a cat. (laughs) Very true, very true. I wouldn't have minded to see uh, Yafet Kodo in his (laughs) underwear at the end of the... Can we talk a little bit about the uh, the alien design? Well, you you touched earlier on the um, the fact that they're just people, and that's something certainly worth. I find when none of the other films have this aspect, in that they're just working class, blue collar, essentially, and you really get that at the beginning. You know, there's a bit of rank, but I love the interplay between Harry Dean Stanton and Yafet Kodo, and the fact that you've got this actual class structure on the ship. So you can clearly see that all of them are ranking officers except for the, the, the essentially the maintenance uh, uh, facilities guys. And the, when they're pulled out of hypersleep and they don't quite know why, they think they're actually you know about to orbit Earth. Um, the first 10 minutes, they, every time those characters are on screen, they're talking about whether or not they're going to get their bonus. And... and I believe that really settles you into, yeah, sure, they're they're pulling a, you know, four square mile rock or, or, or factory through space in a in a in a in a tug, but essentially, I mean, people haven't changed for whatever year they're in. So it actually lets the audience get comfortable. And as each thing happens, the movie backs off for a few minutes and lets the audience get comfortable again before it hits you with the next thing. It's I can't think of a movie that is so rigorously structured, yet it, you don't feel it when you're watching it. Like if you sit back and you get and you think about it, it's it's you know if you plotted it on a graph, you could see the total step nature of the film. But it's so effortlessly done. That's what makes the film rewatchable because you do you just get right you just get right involved. Yeah. Well, I think also uh, it's interesting. Um, you know, especially compared with aliens, like the the crew, they're not they're not soldiers. Like they are just like it's a mining ship, right? Is that I believe what it is? So you know, they they're not really prepared for anything like this, which kind of adds to the horror element, I guess. But you know, not that aliens is bad because I mean that's 
you know, just a cool other angle to take it from where you've got these soldiers going in to, uh, to go after the aliens. But, um, yeah, I mean, that's the other thing I want to say is that, um, you know, all the, the kind of work elements that are in there make it believable and make it timeless. Because, I mean, this movie has aged very well, I think. Like, it's, you know. Other, other than the computer displays, this movie has perfectly aged. But you can't go wrong with rusty machinery and water. I mean, like, just the, the dark, dank. You know, I believe that no matter how futuristic things, you know, how clean and new building materials that people continue to build stuff, if the ship gets big enough, there'll always be the broom closet and the dark corners. And in this movie, you spend a heck of a lot more time in the sweaty depths of the ship than you do, say, in the, in the lunchroom or, or, you know, in the, in the crew side of things. And, and I mean, the movie totally sings. A lot of people would say that it, it, you know, the movie plays like it's one gigantic womb and there's all this birth imagery, right? Like the, the whole impregnation of John Hurt's character and then the violent birth and then the constant metamorphosis and the ship feels almost like it's, you know, the, like a maternal element. Right. Well, I like, you know, along with the bowels of the ship, but you mentioned like the lunchroom, like everything has a real good lived in feel besides the rusty machinery and the water you've got, you know, you've got a bag of Doritos or something sitting on the table or, or it just everything like I half expected there to be a set of fuzzy dice. Well, in, know, in Harry Dean Stanton's bunk, there's all these uh, like porn mags like taped up on the wall, which I thought was a nice touch. And See, given I mean, that's in, totally, realistic. totally realistic. Future porn. Like a, <laughs> like a mine. <laughs> Space poon. <laughs> Now, that's one thing that really sucks about science fiction movies now is the progression of technology is ruining science fiction movies because you look at Alien or, or any films of 20 years ago or so or beyond that are trying to project a look of the future and it's so much more interesting than the films now that try to do the same thing because every movie is the minority report uh, floating screen where you move things with your hands and shit like that. I'd rather have like a dirty console with a, a CRT uh, television set with the scan lines showing and and like and an ashtray on the side. Yeah, and like but the buttons you have to click. And the problem is, we already know that's not the future. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, Technology's that... progression has ruined that because now that would be not be a. Uh, uh, a future movie, but I, I think that shouldn't stop people from still uh, portraying that version of the future anymore. Well, actually, the pro I, th I believe the production design team said they wanted to make it look like, because these guys were essentially like a tugboat, they wanted to make it look like they were in a ship in the future that had been retrofitted five times. It was the bottom of the barrel. They weren't, they weren't, the f you know they they weren't state of the art they were um, it's like the Millennium Falcon yeah they were falling yeah. apart it's um, the MF <laughs> and uh, yeah I mean, that look is is totally achieved and then when they slap a um, uh, the trucker hat on Harry Dean Stanton it totally makes the, some people have called the movie just simply truckers in space <laughs> that's pretty they cool. did a movie called called that basically yes there space was truckers. with Dennis Hopper I believe Stuart Gordon. 
that. And you just think about all the movies that came after this. Like Jay mentioned, The Abyss. But I, you know, other, especially the underwater ones, like uh, like Deep Star Six, or, yeah. or films like that, they are all very obviously influenced by the crew. Like they're not all in uniform. Uh, they don't all have ID badges or something. They're just wearing jeans and, you know, just like regular kind of scientist guys, um, crewmen. I, th- I think the biggest influenced film to follow this one immediately after was, and it actually went in a totally different direction because it was a western instead of a slasher or whatever, was uh, that Peter Hyams film, Outland, which like oh, yeah, flagrantly yeah. copied the dystopic corporate run. Like, I mean, if anything, Alien will always be known for the iconic look, the H.R. Giger look of the alien and, and everything else. But in reality, it really started the dystopic future, the, the future where everything's corporate run. The, the I mean... I think William Gibson, who wrote Neuromancer, which really pushed the and um, uh, sort of all the nations on Earth had been reorganized into a corporate structure, and the difference between high and low class people got wider and 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 whatnot. I think he was massively influenced by the stuff that's essentially off screen and all the things that are implied in Alien. The fact that they got all that depth that you knew that there was some corporation i mean eventually it it had a name it got a name the the Whalen yutani corporation but you you get the idea that this company does not give a shit about its people i mean that's underscored time and time again to the point where they essentially have someone planted on the ship um uh, the the android character uh played by uh, ian holm and the constant underscore in all of the alien films is crew expendable <laughs> You know, we want it mm-hmm. for our bioweapons division. And that, I believe, is incredibly... Like, forget about the changing genres of, you know, we're going to do a horror movie in space or we're going to do this and that. The dystopic uh, corporate-run future, I, I think Alien has got to be a groundbreaker in that. And, I mean, that's pretty much every science fiction film after that now was... It, it, it dropped the clean look of 2001... And and favored the sweaty, dark, ratty, uh, angrier, grungier uh, science fiction. Yeah, of Star sure. Wars. Yep. Can we, you know, speaking of the look of the film, I mean, we haven't really even talked about the obvious here, which is the actual alien and creature designs and uh, sort of gore effects and whatnot. Because if just now, like, so I just pulled up Alien on the IMDb and then clicked on photos, and you have that montage of just tons of different photos. Um, the the character design for 1979 especially is fucking awesome. Like if if it's if this came out today, it would still be just awesome. The the little face hugger guys are are just so interesting. Whoever put that together and created them out of a model um, is just awesome. And then the alien, and which you don't even really get to see much of. Uh, which I think is a good thing and maybe a discussion all on its own, but the alien itself is just wicked and completely unterrestrial. Um, I don't know. I don't know who the name of the guy is that sort of Geiger. The... Yeah, H.R. Geiger. He's he. Uh, that is his I, name. Okay. Yeah, like he was. I, I guess he, I don't know who brought him into this movie. Do you remember the story behind? I remember reading that he didn't want to be involved at first and it was like he, at the last came on board or something he Somebody was 
he was a conceptual designer on Dune. And uh, so Dan O'Bannon saw his work, I think, there and brought him on. And I think that's what makes the, uh, uh, the design so successful is that they brought in uh, an, you know, an artist, a sculptor, not a guy who is, who's worked as a conceptual designer for movies. Mm-hmm. Because he brings in brings in a totally new, totally new thoughts and ideas on how to approach these things, uh, and I, I think had they just gotten a guy who has done like a thousand movies doing designs for monsters, he we would have gotten something completely, you know, derivative and 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 and, and cliche written basically. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I think all those things, like, you know, you start with a script that could have been just a, you know, a B B movie, but then you get, you know, a, an interesting director on board, you get, like, these amazing creature designs, and, like, just everything kind of adds up to more than the sum of its parts. Um, yeah. But the, the, the thing are... is, I, I think the creature is awesome, and I think that all the design elements in Alien are awesome, but... Uh, I, I personally think that uh, H.R. Giger's work is pretty ugly and gaudy and uh, like uh, without some sort of reining in from a, a higher level creative team. But picking it's out freaky. what they. It's freaky, though. It's freaky. It's also but used it's, sparingly. It's used very sparingly. Yeah, I, I think his actual artwork is one thing and I think the aliens in the movies are another thing. I think they're they're picking the best elements of what he's supplying them yeah. uh making it work and just ideas. Um and you know, he did do actual paintings and sculptures of the alien like he he actually sculpted the alien but um it it works definitely works on screen. I I've seen other things that he's done that I didn't think worked very well and I I just think his artwork is pretty uh, pretty ugly for the most part. But someone described Ooh. basically every film that Ridley Scott has ever made. Ridley Scott's the best, probably the best director at just forming a committee of the right people. I, I, I wouldn't say Ridley Scott is necessarily an auteur. I, I certainly couldn't compare Gladiator and Matchstick Men in any way, shape, or form. Um, you know, or or Alien and and Body of Lies. I mean, but. He does know have a way of assembling the right music people, the right special it, effects guys. In so terms forth. of a look, he kind of is because he will work with different cinematographers and work on different films that have completely different uh, feels and and motives, but they all look the same. Like you, you know, a Ridley Scott film. Like he's all about the texture and he's all about the smoke filled rooms and yeah. pedals and whatever the fuck is fly, falling from the sky, <laughs> and. Um, Yes, the cinematographer has something to do with that, but it's it's through the direction of Ridley Scott. He's definitely got a look to him, and I think that that look is present in all of those movies. But you know, the the storytelling and the motives are are different, I guess. But um, but I mean, yeah, you look at Alien versus Aliens, and and they look completely different. Well, I would disagree on that, but we can get into that when Aliens comes around, but. The one thing I wanted to bring up no, was... No, Kurt, let's get into no, no, it no, now. No, 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 fucking A. <laughs> <laughs> the one thing I want to talk... I don't know if, if, if anyone else has a lot more to go on with Alien, but uh, the final sequence of 
Alien, when, when the movie has been a slow, very methodical, we do something, we take a break, we do something, we take a break, even when the character crew members are being picked off through sca- spaces. But the final scene, when she, essentially when she is by herself, and she sets the auto-destruct sequence, but then finds that the alien is in her way, so she goes and tries to stop the auto-destruct sequence, and then finds out that she can't, and then she she makes like three loops of the ship, and it's all done with these intense strobe lights. I, I mean, I'm amazed that there are no reports of any people having seizures, what, in, in a good way. I mean, it... It Good totally seizures. hits the atmosphere <laughs> of the film. I mean, it makes that scene the way that scene is shot. And I, not only is there strobe lights, but they've foleyed the strobing. Mm-hmm. Like the, there's actually an audio component to it. And wow, it, for a movie that's progressed so slow over the, the course of the thing, the, the last 10 to 15 minutes of the film is incredibly intense, which is why I hate the director's cut of the film because they jam in the scene where she finds Dallas in like cocooned on the ship and it breaks that intense sequence with this I mean it's not badly done it just it truly I mean it was edited out for a reason and um so while I'll watch the director's cut of, of all the other films uh Alien I'll never go near the uh director's cut because I don't like the way they trim out the beginning and to get things rolling faster and then they wreck what is essentially the most intense scene in the film uh by you know having her get out the flamethrower and torch the place which if she's the ship's only so big i I don't understand how they could be going back and forth and not see like not see him but whatever yeah it's like a a haunted house ride at the end there in a good way it's funny i well i don't know i actually kind of disagree a little bit about in a good way (laughs) <laughs> um, I think it, it's all all of the alien movies. They not not so much in the other two as as, as in Alien One, but that that strobe effect. I actually kind of find it a little bit annoying. Like if you're if you're trying to evacuate a ship and uh, it's on self destruct, the best thing to do is turn off all the lights and then turn on strobe lights. Like yes. I, I feel like they're just there. <laughs> And I know that you actually had this conversation, Jay, in a recent one of your recent film junk podcasts, where there's just lighting. It doesn't have to make sense. It's just there to look cool, and I can get behind that totally. But uh, something about it really just kind of bugs me. It kind of it goes on and on, and I feel like this is just there to make it look cool, and it's obvious. It's too obvious for me. It's it takes me out of it just a little bit. I think Nobody the strobe else is annoyed by that at all. I think the strobe light is less a strobe light and more of just a, a taking a little artistic liberty with a, or artistic license with a, a rotating emergency light um, because it's not. I don't think it's, it's strobing as fast as like you know a, a ridiculous like it's not doesn't read like a nightclub to me. Um, no, it I just think it actually like, gets faster as the scene goes on. It, I, maybe I could be wrong, didn't notice but. that. Maybe it does if you know you're getting closer to the ship exploding. Or uh, I know it, sh- it happens when she yeah, sets stops. the airlock thing as well, right? So it only happens when something is is set in motion on the ship. And I, I mean, I agree. Like maybe it doesn't make sense that you know 
we're going to evacuate. You have to evacuate, so we're going to turn everything off and strobe the fuck out of you, <laughs> just yeah, to like make it fun. But <laughs> you can't see anything, and that includes the audience. Like, and I agree that maybe there's a, a positive aesthetic quality to that. But for me, well, the alien is the positive not- thing. I, I think the movement right. of the alien, because well, it looks it's awesome. a man in a suit, right? So if you see him moving too clearly, I think you're going to see that human inside a little too much. There's so, one awkward shot in Alien. Where I, he gets I, down from the the place. I, I always thought that was awkward, where, you know, where he's hiding, where his head is. And then he has to, like, come down on the ground and, and stand you, up. There's one shot. Yeah, that's exactly that's exactly the shot. There's one shot where you see him standing like a man. Yeah. And if they could have just trimmed, like, three frames out of that, that's the only part where the alien loses itself everywhere else in the movie it's either crawled in the vent work or you only see the close-up of part of it like its tail or its head or or whatever and i think that's the key fact of almost any horror movie is not showing it and directors as the special effects and technology gets better and better uh directors lose that restraint even more it's like we're paying them for this money we got to show it but but because they had maybe flaws of they had like a guy in a suit and the suit was just latex and you know um they needed to hide it just like um steven spielberg couldn't get the shark working so they Mm -hmm. had to hide it uh that makes the movie and the strobing and not the audience not being able to see anything it's exactly like the sequence in the in the blair witch project or Mm -hmm. whatever where you just are looking at a blank screen and you're that's to me that's good filmmaking the strobing is probably more yeah. about the audience than it is about the characters. I mean, the the logistics behind what's happening in the scene. It's more about just giving giving the audience a visceral experience. And when I say yeah. it's like a haunted house ride, that's exactly it. When you walk through a haunted right. house and you you don't know what you're looking at. As for the the human looking thing, I I think it's awkward too. But I wonder if one thing that I, I one thing that could make it interesting is. As we eventually find out, the the aliens kind of take on a bit of whatever they uh, gestate. Yeah, so a human, an alien that puts a, an egg down a human's throat will come out with a little bit of a human characteristic. Um, so I, I don't, I don't know. Maybe that could be a little bit of a pass, but I, I still think I think it's more awkward in just how it stands up the movements and yeah <laughs> you can't see this but i'm doing yeah. sort of a but, uh, but that scene is there. awesome because it's the perfect example of the the uh marriage of set design and costume design because the, and this is exactly the problem that you know working in the video game industry and like all the shit we go through with trying to bring elements together and having departments that aren't communicating this is the perfect example of, of, in the film world, how that works, where the design of the top of the head of the alien directly influences the design of the ship. So you see all those kind of cushiony uh, lines all through the ship, and it, it, it's an interesting look. So it, at first it's like, it just seems like an interesting choice for a, a visual uh, technique or, or a visual uh choice but eventually at the end of the movie with all these tubes and and whatnot it's there for a purpose it's there to hide the head of the alien and see it suddenly come out of the wall so just that kind of you know marriage of of design between the two which 
I don't know, maybe is a little obvious, but I think it, it works in that scene. Mm. Shall we move on to yes. number two? Does anyone have any final thoughts on Alien? It's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, okay, so Aliens, uh, 1986, directed by James Cameron. Does anyone know any background on like how James Cameron got involved in this or anything like that? I don't really know, but... Uh, uh, only thing he was... Ter- Terminator? <laughs> you can handle it. Yeah, I think uh, it, it got the job only because of Terminator, and uh, that's about it. <laughs> I don't but, know. Yeah, uh, he, he was brought he, in to uh, do a pitch... Uh, for a a screenplay that I think he was writing and they weren't interested and they he uh, when they weren't interested in that they offered him aliens they said well we're not interested in that but we have aliens and would you be interested in that and he said yes and he ended up this is when he was uh, doing a rewrite of Terminator I think Um, because he was writing three things at the same time right yeah. He was writing Aliens, uh, Rambo Two, and he was doing a, a rewrite of Terminator. Uh, I think that, but they, I think they had filmed some of Terminator already, um, because I remember him talking about working out the problem of of writing three scripts and how he literally knew how much time he had to write them, so he just broke it down by how many pages he had to write each day mathematically to finished the scripts in that time and he just wrote that many pages hmm. per day. Um, what a jobber. Total jobber, man. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a technique he learned on Piranha 2? <laughs> You've got five probably days. With, <laughs> probably at Roger Corman's place. Yeah. Um, Alright, well, why don't we just kind of go around and give initial impressions. Um, I don't know. I'll just start by saying that Aliens for me is kind of... Growing up, this was the the movie of the four that kind of everyone seemed to know the most, seemed to enjoy the most. Um, yeah, I don't I don't really know what else to say. I mean, it's it, you know obviously the James Cameron influence. You know, you can make the comparisons to all his other movies, and um, it's definitely a lot more action oriented than Alien. Um, Kurt, I never got. I always I spent. Anytime this subject came up when I was growing up, I constantly got in arguments because I never really got Aliens. I I like it. I just find, and I think as an action movie, it's fabulous. But I I remember even young, because I saw them in order, um, I was annoyed that uh, what was super intense in the first one, the alien itself... In Aliens, all it does, it's just one threat. It's its actually one of the more minor threats, it seems, in the movie. The bigger threat is like cooling leaks and, and, and getting off the planet. And anytime things are slow, you have, boom, an alien pops out and everyone shoots it. I, I So I remember all through the 80s and early 90s uh, constantly getting in arguments with my peers about how I'd rather just go back and watch Alien again than watch Aliens. But don't get me wrong, I mean I love Lance Hemrickson and he's pretty awesome in the movie. Um, well, I I think that it does the job of a sequel perfectly because of that, because uh, it is different than the first one. 
um, but does have elements that are reminiscent and it expands on things. Um, and it, it's, it works because it's the perfect uh, example of taking one franchise and just handing it to multiple visionary directors and allowing them to put their stamp on it. And, you know, if, if you look at Alien and then look at Aliens, I think they're the perfect representations of both of those directors' filmographies, that everything is there that they're pretty much known for. Um, and Aliens, I, I this is the one I grew up with as well, so there's probably like a, a nostalgic attachment to it somewhat. But for me, it's the most watchable um, in terms of I could I could sit and watch it and be entertained at any point. I can watch it over and over. If it's on TV, I'll probably uh, sit and watch it um, until like Hell's Kitchen comes on or something. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's uh, definitely certainly the most quotable of the, yeah. I, I think that's, <clears throat> that's what always got it because people would just quote it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Marina. Uh, well, it's funny because I didn't really, I guess I didn't really grow up with any of these. So Such I, a noob, man. I know. I'm sorry. I'm a kid. Um, I mean, I was like five when this came out. So what? yeah, definitely not seeing it. When Be it was, older. <laughs> yeah, I wish. No, I don't wish. Forget it. But um, I don't know. It's definitely, I mean, you guys have already brought it up. It's definitely not a horror movie. It's much more of an action film. Um and for me, it's really, it's fine. It, like you say, Jay, it's sort of, it's an interesting take on the story that sort of follows the same line, but it definitely feels like a different film. You can tell it's a different director. I don't know. I don't really have much else to add. I mean, it, it's great for what it is, but it's completely different from the first one. Uh, well, yeah, like you guys, this is the movie. I watched this a ton of times when I was a kid. I mean, I took a permanent marker and wrote adios on all my toy guns after this movie. <laughs> um, so, and I don't personally think so, but I would not argue too much with people who want to say that this is a better movie in, in, you know, depending upon what you want, because yeah, in terms of an action movie, I mean, you, you guys say it's great. It's, it's better than great as an action movie. I mean, it is, balls out awesomeness for about an hour and 20 minutes and um the characters are great and you Sigourney Weaver finally you know becomes this the she's obviously the main character in this one and she becomes one of the first that I can think of like really really kick-ass females so um I mean yeah it's obviously a, a big step up in terms of adrenaline and a big step down in terms of mood mood and atmosphere but um, if what you're looking for is more aliens, hence the plural, uh, and more guns and a lot of fun, they do it really well. Mm. There you have it. Very good. Uh, this is, of course, uh, the first of the alien films I ever saw. Um, and probably the one I've seen the most times as well. And uh, I actually remember the, I did, um, the, the first time I actually took a peek at it was at, at a movie theater. And, and when I peeked inside a, 
in inside a screening where they were showing showing the film and and for for some reason that scene that I saw just has always stuck in my mind and uh, and so I I can't I don't know how many times I've watched this film and I think it's fantastic in almost every way and uh, what was the scene you yeah. saw. Uh, it was the scene where Ripley, after the uh, the soldiers are first attacked and every everything is going to shit, and Ripley takes control of the vehicle, mm-hmm. and uh, the mad about you guy says, uh, "Ripley, what the hell are you doing?" And uh, <laughs> she drives off, and the music <laughs> kicks in, and that was exactly that point when I opened up the theater door and peeked inside and that was you know and that really stuck in my head for some reason and I quote it's uh, awesome. still yeah it's, it's fucking awesome I nominate you Omar to make a Paul Reiser soundboard so what the hell are you doing <laughs> awesome actually a better connection is Paul Reiser knowing uh, referring to him as the my two dads guy <laughs> the nice. other guy that he was in my two dads with was the George. star of Deep Star Six. Ooh. The dude oh, with the yeah. beard. Yeah, he looks like George that, Michael. That is a connection. Mm, Definitely. <laughs> well, I, I want to mention the design elements. Like you were saying that they take it in a totally new direction, but. I don't think design wise, I think cinematography wise. Okay. Because. Like a se- like many a sequel, uh, Aliens borrows shots and things. Like they have the, it's not at the opening shot of the film, but the iconic opening shot in Alien of of the, the still ship and then people slowly waking up. They have that shot in. It's much more militaristic with like mm-hmm. everything else in the movie. Um, they have the strobing, uh, the strobing lights, the self destruct sequence. Um, the hallways are this, that same shape with like the, the grid floors and what would that, what is that shape? It's called, yeah, like, I, I think you could actually trapezoid. argue that this is trapezoid. like a remake. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I, I think that you could almost argue that this is almost, uh, like a remake or a reboot of the original because like structurally it's exactly the two. same. Mm. Yeah. The, it's very, very similar. And mm-hmm. and one thing about the director's extended cut of this was the, when I sat down, this was the first time I had ever watched end to end. Like I'd seen bits of it on TV, but this is the first time I'd ever watched uh, the full extended version because I never owned a Laserdisc player. And it was the only way to see it unless you happened to be around when it was on TV. But there's one scene that they add, which is awful. Um, the scene where... Newt is with her family and they're like uh, going off on like the in the family station wagon and mm-hmm. going to look at what they think is like a new like staking a claim like a land claim and then logistically I can I can quibble with a few logistical problems in, in aliens but it just doesn't make sense how they get back and why there's no reaction and you know what I mean like they were very smart to cut that scene yeah. out. I liked how they added all the um, Sigourney Weaver finds her daughter who has died at 80 and all that's critical. I can't believe they cut that mm. out in the original film and I think Sigourney Weaver was really um, pissed off to the point where she almost wouldn't make Alien 3 because they cut out all of that because that's what Aliens 
you know, other than the military porn, um, alien, what aliens brings to the table is the maternal, maternal uh, porn. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Marina mentioned it in Marina mentioned in alien. She, she could have been a man or a woman, but Mm -hmm. in aliens, she's very clearly the mother element with newt. And my favorite scene in the film is, is when she has the conversation about, um, dreams and, and nightmares in the medical bay with newt and there's this real it's it's i think the only scene in the film that's lit like with a candle or it's it's a yellowish warm everything else is gray and mm-hmm. you know military steel and stamped foot lockers and this scene is actually like like a mother putting her daughter to in the bed in the midst of it and it that's where james james cameron may get hokey with some of these things some of the times but in this particular case the actual human maternal element amazingly stands out because it's so testosterone loaded everywhere else and without that and and it actually makes me retroactively not like the shorter version of aliens because they really get more texture in the new version uh with that particularly in the opening parts when she's still in the whatever space station before she's decided to come well i mean you look at the the whole idea of the mother and whatnot and um, the testosterone-filled elements of the film are are sort of uh, uh, up upstaged by the estrogen, I guess, filled moments of Ripley being the mother to Newt facing off with the queen alien. That's the mother to every alien on the on the planet, and so the the idea of these two mothers facing off is. is interesting because it's you know uh, a movie that's filled with military people who all bite the dust and it's the mothers that are like just like in you know uh, any sort of nature documentary the one you don't want to fuck with is the mother bear when you get by the cub or whatever right which i think is pretty cool because i mean seriously how many action movies have that element in them like just you know, pure action-driven films. That's right. If it was a guy, he would go back for the little girl. Or the cat. (laughs) 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 That's true. Uh, One thing I wanted to mention, um, Andrew, you were talking about how it could be kind of a remake of the first one, but I think the one key difference is that when they're going in this time, they're going with soldiers and guns, and they know what they're getting into. So that makes for kind of an interesting, like there's still that suspense when they're searching, um, but you're kind of like, now you're anticipating it. You want them to to meet the aliens because you want to see them kick some ass, even though it doesn't really work out that way. Um, Well, that's another thing. I think in terms of atmosphere, I wouldn't say that this film lacks atmosphere because when they first arrive at the planet and they're walking through the hallways and the the awesome idea i mean the first one kind of had this but they really exploit this idea of having the cameras on their shoulders and being able to see from everyone's viewpoints and having their names on the screens right which is back then just you know just as clever as the whole you know night vision gag that people used quite often in the past 5 years or or the Blair Witch thing at the end where the one the sound is in one place and the camera is in the other place um, having them Ripley in the the vehicle watching 
as they're like shooting with their cameras all of these uh, melted girders and whatnot. Um, I think that that was an extremely atmospheric and and uh, just completely like in a different way. It's not as in your face a haunted house kind of thing, but it's a little more slow of a slow burn just in that section. <laughs> Once they find them, it's it really picks up. But right. Yeah, and I mean, I guess there's also, um, like Kurt, you mentioned the corporate kind of bad guy in the first one, and they kind of they pull it out even further in this one with Paul Reiser and and uh, um, just well, even the boardroom sequence, it's so like shut down by the bureaucracy and 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 screwed over, like they really, and there's a, I don't know if it's a Shining homage in the film but there's a scene in the extended cut where this kid's riding like a Waylon yutani big wheel mm -hmm. through the thing like as if to say in 20 minutes this space station or this terraforming will be the haunted house it's almost like a i don't know if it, if it was done intentionally or not but that's certainly when mm -hmm. i see the big wheel and the corporate logo in that thing i'm thinking yeah we're about to um you know this place is about to become the haunted house again um well it seems to me like that entire sequence was added in just to make the connection that they're on the same planet i mean it's mentioned but i i know as a kid i never made that connection until a, a lot later on that that station they were terraforming the, the same planet that ripley landed on with the the other crew because you never see the the alien ship right. uh, in the original cut of of aliens, it's only kind of alluded to that you know when she says mentions the planet, um, and then they say, oh, we've had people there for years. And it never made sense that they had people there for years, and then all of a sudden, just when Ripley happens to be found, that the aliens things. But in the director's cut, it's very clear that. Because Ripley's found and the corporation says, oh, that was that. Then they send someone out to look. And it's actually Ripley being involved mm -hmm. that ends up setting off the... Because, um, you know, the, the planet's gigantic. I mean, who knows? It could have been, you know, yeah. 6,000 miles away or something. And they just hadn't got there yet. Mm -hmm. uh, so that, that, yeah, I guess the those scenes add in a bit more. Like, mm -hmm. just to make your mind understand how the yeah. plot gets from a to b not critical to the movie but i didn't mind it mm -hmm. um so any thoughts on um the the various soldiers like the or you know whatever they are mercenaries i guess or marines marines yes because uh, i guess you know that's that's a big element of this movie too is that you've kind of you've constantly got this bickering back and forth and you know there's a lot of the kind of James Cameron dialogue in there with these these characters. Did you guys like all that stuff, or was that kind of uh, a little too jokey at times? Or well, this is back when back when Bill Paxton was still awesome. Um, He's and, still or, awesome. You know, I I remember him as a kid. I, yep. I loved like all his uh, all his quotes and one liners and stuff when I was a kid. When I watched it again recently over Easter, I just found him extremely annoying. And not uh, the opposite of cool. <laughs> I I don't know that, but I always loved him when I was younger and watched this movie. But not well, this time. I think, I think he he was supposed to be a an idiot, basically, mm -hmm. right. not cool at all. But I had, but he wasn't even like like I was surprised how much of a pansy he is. Like he shouldn't even be on this. 
team. He keeps talking about how much of a badass he is, and and well, then, I mean, never, that's the point, though. I guess yeah. so. They've never experienced anything like that. So, and uh, but I really like the the whole uh, soldier element of the of the film because it brought the film, I think, more to reality on how soldiers actually act, and and, and they're not like some kind of drones who uh, who follow orders, you know, to every to the you know every word. And and when, they joke joke around and grab their balls and scratch their asses and stuff. And like when that. she hides clips, like they tell her no shooting, but yeah. she just says, "Well, I don't care. I'm still keeping a couple extra." Yeah, <laughs> and I that? had I I had a huge crush on Mascass. Are you and, serious? Yeah, <laughs> but she, she, the actress. She was, what? She was so fucking hot in that movie. <laughs> I'm sorry to say, but I, I don't know. That's something that appeals to me, I guess. But but today, I know what appeals to you. <laughs> the manliness. Yeah, probably. The bushness of it all, the buzz cut. And but today, she doesn't really, she hasn't aged that well, that actress. Too much, uh, I think she's seen too much sun. She's kind of wrinkly and leathery today. She's seen too much action. Mm-hmm. What were you going to say, she... Sean? The clips. Uh, oh yeah, that that didn't didn't. Uh, maybe there's a good reason for this, but like I couldn't believe like he didn't tell them why not to shoot. Like he was just like, "Don't shoot, whatever you do." And then they're like, "Yeah, give me your clips." And then she's like, "I'm not giving you my clips," you know, because they never told her why. Oh, I think. They're not supposed to tell you why. They tell you Just what to do. And you follow the orders. And don't complicate it. Don't make them think. Um, I guess. But... None, of, none of these soldiers were exactly sitting there with um, high IQs, which, which is why I like Michael Bean's character in the film so much, is that he, he knows his limitations, but he also knows his strengths. And he's very, more than anyone, the movie says again and again, this guy's exactly comfortable with where he is. When they're on entry point, he's sleeping. You know, he's mm-hmm. like, I'm going to get 10 minutes rest. I know what my job is. I'm not going to worry too much about it. And all throughout the movie, he actually becomes the, the rock, the, the, the bedrock. And even when he, when he gets command by virtue of, like, everyone else being unconscious or eliminated, he does what the audience wants to do. <laughs> like, usually in the movie, they will, the screenplay will have to tap dance around doing the obvious thing because the obvious thing will end the movie. In this case, it's like... Might as well nuke it from space. It's the only way to be sure. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, it's nice to see a screenwriter, you know, actually have the characters do what is the most, makes Logical. the most sense in the thing instead of cheating the audience to extend the film. Now, I guess he's also clever enough to layer on, like, four other problems. <laughs> so it's not just a, a simple, that's what makes what Andrew said that, like one hour action sequence work. If it was Steven Summers shooting that, he would just have it would just be a perfectly straight line and it would be boring five minutes in. But with the way he's layered on that you have Bishop doing his thing, you've got um them trying to hold their position or escape, and then they're then the characters get separated when they're trying to leave, and then when they start to get back together she can't find the ship like but they all have reasonable mm-hmm. explanations for why things happen it's anyone that's writing a complicated 
no dialogue third act, which is what most American movies are, uh, all the actions in the third act, that should be the screen, like the, that should be the course in writing action films on how to layer plot together so that you're not just making action for action's sake. It, 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 that's one thing that I've always respect about Aliens is as a layered piece of action storytelling, uh, there's no wasted action. Every action is progressing the plot and there's no let's just stand and look at the spectacle and yet it is massive in spectacle like some of those large i don't know where james cameron finds these factories to shoot in because they obviously don't build them they're too Mm -hmm. big and 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 whatnot um and it's great you see over the course you get right down in the the like so the corridors underneath but at some point, you know, when they're up on the big tower, you also have the scale of this reactor core and, and infrastructure. And again, it's amazing. Very few modern directors have that sense of geography. And I think geography, with the exception of Alien Resurrection, is like the key to how every film is designed. Every film has its own sort of map or like its own haunted house or whatever you want to call it. Well, that's yeah, that's an interesting with some films is uh, there are some films that I could... Uh, be plopped into the set and and I mean putting aside the fact that sets are built in different places and whatnot but walk around in the set of a film and know where to go based off of having just watched the movie uh, that's like one thing with a completely well kind of different movie but John Carpenter's Prince of Darkness like if I got to walk into that church and it was as is it as it is in the movie I would know exactly where I'm going and and same with Alien, like I, I, it does have a good sense of geography, and and because you do backtrack through a lot of the places, and I mean that's the one thing uh, with all of that stuff happening near the end and having that countdown countdown going the whole time, and things slowly starting to explode and rumble, and then her having to go back in uh, really gives you that sense of not wanting her to go back in which is the same as alien again Mm -hmm. on on the parallels like she has to go back it's for the cat in in the Mm -hmm. one but it's the um the kid the kid in this one Mm -hmm. and and then finding the alien and facing off but well it's interesting too like um when you got here kurt and i was just watching the end of aliens there was one scene that i think you pointed out that it was kind of like there's there's things that he throws in to add believability like when she's waiting for the elevator with Newt at the end and it's not coming. And then she's like, Oh, I'm going to go for the ladder. But then the elevator comes mm-hmm. and it's like just weird things like that where it's like most directors would be like, okay, I'm just going to build the suspense while she's hitting this button waiting for the elevator. But James yeah, you Cameron, actually see a thought process, but then he totally undercuts it immediately after right. by having the alien queen take the elevator. It's the most <laughs> ludicrous image in the entire film and they try to edit around it. But all I can do is see the alien queen going, do I want G or do I want floor 17? Because you <laughs> literally, it's ludicrous that the alien would know that if it got in an elevator, I could have bought it like, you know, scuttling up the ladder or something, but it's funny. And then later on when she's waiting on the platform with Newt and there's no ship to pick her up, you see, bing, <laughs> the doors open. I mean, there's... It, it, that's the only that and the, uh, the the scene where they find the face hugger that, that that was added in. Those are the only two, like, you know, sort of plot logistical mistakes. Like, or, or that actually breaks me out. That's the only time in that big action sequence that I break out because that scene 
It's like when the star stormtrooper bumps his head in Star Wars. Well, watch that a thousand times without ever seeing that scene. Someone pointed it out to me, and now I can't not see it. And now that elevator sequence, every time I watch it, it's like, yeah. I, it, well, there's another is. thing in Aliens that's kind of like that. Not that it's bad or anything, but when the the uh, dropship comes down to pick them up and it explodes, and you see the big explosion, and you hear, you see this... Like it's a miniature, and you see all this rubble, and you hear this like really loud metal pipe hit the the ground, and it's just this like obviously placed to just add some weight to the explosion. But every time, it just stands out as being this over overly sound designed explosion. Um, that's another thing. Whenever I watch it, I I always wait for the metal pipe to hit. <laughs> so am I the actually... only one that had problems with the? Uh opening of the doors to suck the alien queen out into space and nobody else manages to get blown away. Yeah, it's a little bit of a stretch, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. I'm like, how could my Dan and I were watching that scene. I'm like, how can they breathe? Doesn't like space, like suck everything into it. Like, I don't I know. Th- I, I think I, I was already laugh. acclimatized at that point because of the <laughs> end of um, alien four. Is it when the alien gets sucked out of the, the little <laughs> hole in the window. Yeah, but that's well, true. If you, can, if you can do that, then that scene makes sense. On the uh, other hand, it's totally contrasted by the scene before. That I don't know how they did it, and the special of I don't know whether it was Stan Winston that did this or or whoever. But the scene where her and the alien are tangling in that uh, loader suit, which is like mm-hmm. aged incredibly well, when they go down together. That is the most realistic, mm-hmm. unbelievably. Uh, someone was high fiving themselves when they caught the dailies of that. That I've watched that scene not in slow motion, but many times, and you know you can clearly see her because it's not like Robotech or something where she's a little person in a huge robot. The, it's barely larger than her in scale, and you see her in it. It's it's just a. I love that lift loader in the thing. It's a yeah. it's an iconic thing in the movie, and it totally makes sense. And it's neat that that was her job, mm-hmm. which she was just sort of you know farting around before they pick her up to bring her back. But it works so well because now at this point she's the action hero and she can you well, know that's, suit that's up. That's the thing. Like, it, nor in any other movie, if you introduced a, a piece of machinery like that, it's the equivalent of seeing you know the guy who's you know, twirling a knife in his hand and you know at some point he's going to whip a knife at someone because he's the knife expert. (laughs) And in this, you see her using the loader and it, any other movie I would be like, okay, she's going to end up, you know, using that for something. But it's such a, there's such a distance there and like both in terms of time, but also as well as her character, how her character changes, that when that moment happens and, and you see the, door come up and she walks out in the loader for some reason i had forgotten about that um and it works as kind of like a you know that sort of audience cheering like uh moment that reveal that for me doesn't seem cheesy at all it doesn't seem like a piece of exposition that was pointless now paying off and if I can just interject for just a quick second with something that's only kind of vaguely uh, related, but if anybody ever manages to get out to Seattle, they actually have that loader at the Sci-Fi Museum, uh, oh, along yeah. with a model of, I think it's the alien from, I want to say it's from Alien 4, but I could be wrong on that. It's been a while since I've been down there, but it's pretty awesome to see that like live. 
Can you stand in the loader? Uh, no, they don't even let pictures in there. It's it's oh, wow. pretty BS, but it's totally <laughs> still worth looking. And now with camera phones, it's kind of a lot easier, but it's totally worth the trip if you're anywhere in the area, for sure. But like the space truckers in, in Alien, uh, that lift loader feels like such a realistically designed mm-hmm. piece of equipment. It's completely it, practical. It adds yeah. total authenticity mm-hmm. to... Um, to the film like you, some of the other elements are a bit much but that like you said you know you have that whole sequence with the airlock and you know the alien tearing bishop in half and and the whole bit but that scene to me it regrounds me it's like mm-hmm. that just feels like so it, it's what she would go for it's what they never actually give her the you know suit under the 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 the, the spotlights like she looks off the frame mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. then you get the shot where she's fully suited up they don't indulge in it too much and it and of the fact that that feels like a piece of equipment that exists it doesn't even feel state of the art at the time it yeah. just feels like a piece of equipment that i give the film full credit for that mm-hmm. yep. but, but the the thing is uh, when she goes into that uh, loader they pull the classic 80s commando style um <laughs> you know homage uh, not an homage uh, 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 what do you call it uh, montage of her strapping herself in like Arnold did in uh, Commando when he was, you know, putting on makeup and uh, putting on the vest and putting on his shoes, putting his knife in his holster and all that stuff to make it look cool. So there's a, there's a, that scene is basically a, very much a child of the 80s. Of, uh, Short Circuit 2. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. And, and, and speaking of that elevator scene, I'm actually it's kind of strange when you think about it that nobody has that ever spoofed that scene of having showing the alien inside alien queen inside the elevator going up you know with music <laughs> the girl girl from Ipanipo or something going on and, the blues uh, brothers did yeah. oh yeah <laughs> so yeah yeah so I, are we I, done uh, with aliens or it, yeah it's a fucking thrill ride man <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right well let's but, move uh, on then yeah, we went from the haunted house to the roller coaster to <laughs> Alien Alien 3. God Final thoughts God. on Aliens? Did somebody have something to say there? Um, no. Michael oh. Bean is hot. Scarce <laughs> <laughs> is hot. <laughs> Son of a bitch. <laughs> All right, so Alien 3... Can I just, sorry, to, I know you just <laughs> literally asked for final thoughts. and <laughs> Jump in. One, one of the clever thing that I think is worth mentioning that I'm sure everyone knows by now is the the guns where they use the Steadicam rigs uh, and they place those giant guns on Vasquez and Drake and they all they did was take a Steadicam arm that's gyroscopically balanced and put a fake gun on it and that's how it moves around. And that's another thing that it's like such a practical solution. And it's like they don't even really hide that it's a steady cam arm. Yeah, like it, it, they don't have to. It, it doesn't matter. It just the the gun is giant and that's how someone would carry around a gun like that. Well, it's a James Cameron thing where he's often inventing his own technologies. Yeah, and this, yeah. this somehow got it got actually into the frame. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing that always pisses me off about James Cameron movies is that in the lead up, to the movie 
people will not stop talking about the frigging technology, which in a good movie, the technology should be invisible. Now, mm-hmm. this is an interesting nod where it, it, it doesn't hurt yeah, at all. Yeah. It's great. But, I mean, with the lead-up to Avatar, with the lead-up to Terminator 2, with the lead-up to The Abyss, every freaking movie <laughs> this guy does, there's all this chitter-chatter about the, about the uh, technology. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just forget True Lies. Anyway, uh, that's... Uh, yeah, but it's definitely a, a cool sort of piece of... Uh, I was going to add something else there, but I can't remember. Go ahead. And also, uh, a few minutes. <laughs> uh, 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 if I may interject here, um, those interested might want to check out uh, uh, Near Dark, which feature Bill Paxton and the woman who plays Bass Gas in the leads, basically. It's a and very Lance. cool. What? And Lance, and Lance Henriksen. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh yeah, 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 exactly. So, no, that's how. Um, yeah, as a Gale Ann Hurd film, I was just watching it the other day, actually, and I, I and then I found out that the guy from Heroes is in it as well, the uh, senator character. He's 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 the lead actor in it. I didn't know. But yeah, hmm. go on. Okay, so just... uh, so Alien Three. Came out in 1992 and uh, directed by David Fincher. So this one, probably I would say the most divisive of the Alien films. Um, I, you know, for myself personally, um, I remember liking it first time I saw it. Re- rewatching it now, and I rewatched the um, the special edition version. Um, I don't want to say that I, I I still liked it, but I think it came down a notch in my books rewatching it this time. Um, not really sure why. It just uh, I guess some of the like we were talking before the show, Kurt, about some of the the CG stuff is a little dated now. Um, I don't know some of the some of the the music and just the it's so I don't know how to explain it. It's so dark and. There's this, uh, it's so heavy-handed almost, you know, like there's the, the religion undertones in it and all that kind of stuff. Um, but that said, I mean, there's still, I think there's some interesting plot twists. I think they took the story in some interesting directions. And, I mean, David Fincher, in terms of his direction, I thought was pretty good. Um, your thoughts? Well, uh, I actually went and saw Alien 3 in lieu of going to my prom. So uh, wow. you can see <laughs> I was for Alien 3. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I'm not a prom guy, so it wasn't like anything, but whatever. Um, so, I, yes, I caught this one. Uh, it's, it's one I remember probably more than any of the other ones seeing theatrically, although I did catch two theatrically as well. Um, but it, what I love, there's, I love Alien 3. I, I, I spend a lot of time defending Alien 3 because it is in line with taking the series in yet another direction. The easy thing is to say it feels a lot like Alien. It's one alien again. They don't have any technology to fight it. But Alien 3 seems to have a much more um, apocalyptic, uh, you know, end of the line we're not we can't run away any further we're up against the wall whereas the other two films basically essentially has the characters 
running away. They, they end up being forced to fight the alien because they can't run away effectively. Alien 3 never feels like they're running away from the alien. And it's almost like, you know, we found this thing. We've had these all these consequences of all the other chapters. We're actually going to actually deal with it and make some decisions with this movie. And I, and I like that aspect a lot. I also like the fact that James Cameron spent all the time earning the goodwill and like the, 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 the maternal bond and the giving the audience the emotional satisfaction of, you know, a family. Like it's almost like Michael Bean, Sigourney Weaver and Newt are like a, you know, like a nuclear family at the end of thing. And David Fincher or the writer, um, there were many, many writers, but I think the main writer was Vince Ward, uh, a New Zealander basically said, Fuck all that. We're gonna kill we're gonna kill the two characters that people really love and you know, all that work done and all that tension in aliens is just going to be annihilated in the opening credits. And it's just such a throw the gauntlet down and alienate, for lack of a better phrase, your audience right out of the get go. And then not only do they alienate you by killing the main characters, they rub it in by doing an autopsy on a child and graphically. And I can't believe that they that they did that with a, what focus grouped, um, you know, sort of market driven franchise in nowadays uh, age would would do that. Uh, they they don't now. They reboot. They, they chicken out now. They, they'll just reboot the franchise. No one's going to just take all the beloved characters and kill them in the opening credits. And that earns so much goodwill for me to say that, this, that the director means business here. And not only that, they end up killing the main character on top of that as if to say, there is no way you're going to be able to do sequels with Sigourney Weaver uh, after we definitively destroy her in this one and they take her character arc to the obvious conclusion so that's my pitch for alien 3 um yeah i mean if if there that's one thing that i wish was in movies more is like uh child autopsy scenes (laughs) (laughs) uh no but i i'm i agree i mean i i think that uh the, the throwing away of of all of that stuff is interesting and it, it could be uh it could have come across as just kind of like um just going against the grain just to go against the grain but um in this movie i mean i i the fact that it takes place on a penal planet i don't really see where they could have went with having newt and yeah, picks there. To, to it, me, it feels like it was more just a a plot, like they had to. But I, I still am that I, I don't really like the fact that they just chucked them. Like, I mean, I agree that you couldn't do anything with them. But I mean, I the well, the other thing is, what would they do with them if they didn't chuck them? And I know in the the special features, the actors talk about how James Cameron had kind of hinted here and there about them going back to earth and having a family. And I think that would have been pretty un- uninteresting because the, the, the cool thing about the alien series is Ripley is nonstop 
put through hell. I like there's no break. She starting from <laughs> Alien One, she goes through everything she went through, goes into hypersleep, and there is a, a fifty-seven year or whatever it is, you know, break there. But she doesn't perceive that. For her, she's she's killing an alien, going to sleep, waking up, and then having to kill more, and then going to sleep again, waking up, and having to kill more. Yeah, I mean it's it's constant for her. So to have any sort of like downtime where she's living with the family and they've got the nice house and the picket fence and then hear that an alien landed on Earth would have been a little cheesy, I think. And um, Alien 3, I, I like the idea of the, the prisoners because they are, are unredeemable and they're fighting an alien. And it's interesting because you, you get to know the characters and they're all inmates who are have found religion and it's that kind of thing where it's like um you could say that their their lives are i I guess maybe in a way they're kind of uh sacrificing themselves because of their past or something um or that you know they're they're that it's just the challenge of getting like what's his name what's uh charles Dance. Dance. Or Charles uh, Dutton. Charles Dutton. Dutton. <laughs> Charles Dutton's character, uh, kind of getting to know him and his redeemable elements, but knowing about his past as well. Uh, having Ripley surrounded by these people and having them fight an alien because, like you said, they have to. They they can't run from it because of logistics. They're on a planet. They're on a penal planet, but also their their qualities as as people are lacking. Um, so I, I think that's an interesting spending time with people who are rapists and, and murderers and having to get to know them and watch them be heroes, even if it is forced because they're trying to self-preserve. Well, I'll be the first to dissent, um, because as much as I like the little bits, like the fact that it's on a penal colony, the fact that these guys have found religion, the fact that that's sort of they're redeeming, redeeming, redeeming themselves. To quote somebody very famous, it was shit. <laughs> <laughs> I, it, it's it was to me at least, and I haven't seen the original. I only saw the special edition. Um, I liked little bits and pieces, but as a whole, it was boring. I could not wait for it to end. I just I was ready to poke my eye out. And I can't believe that this was a David Fincher film. I mean, it certainly looks like one and it feels like one. It's sort of like dirty and gritty. And I mean, that's the thing I don't get. I mean, I love the the small bits that are in there, but as a whole, it just doesn't work for me. I just, I didn't really like anything about this movie. Andrew? <laughs> I, I don't like this movie. Hi, I'm high-fiving you, Andrew. Yeah, I'm. No, I I agree with everything Marina said. I think it's it's super boring. I think that when you guys mention you get to know all these characters, I think it's just the opposite. I think there's fifty people and you don't get to know any of them. They're all just to me. They're all just faces. You know, I don't. I can't name one person's name in that in the whole movie. And I just watched it. I just finished watching it. And I don't think I can name one person's name in that whole movie. 
Ripley. Except for Ripley. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and Alien. I will... There are... <laughs> Alien 3 was his name in this one. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Um, there, there are some things I will give it points for, which probably we'll get into, but for the most part, I, I, you know, I, I, the, the characters I don't like, um, I didn't like the fact that they killed off Newt and, uh, Hicks there. I, I do agree that it's ballsy and it's interesting, but it, to me, it just completely negates Alien 2. Like, okay, well, that was all pointless. Um, I never thought of it the way you ex- explained it before, though, Jay, about how this is all just constant for, for Ripley. That's pretty cool. I actually hadn't thought of that before, um, that she's got to be just getting really weary of this. <laughs> um, but So, like, one long bad day for her. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> See, they, the creators were highly aware of that. There's one line in the film where she goes, you've been in my life for as long as I can remember. I mean, like, they, they clearly... I think on a, Alien Three actually acknowledges the fact that she's going to sleep, waking up, and and, and dealing with it. And um and then also regarding the the characters, besides not knowing any of them in the movie, I recognize a lot of them, but I don't, but I can't tell from what. Like I know there's Pete Postlewaite is in there, and the British roadie from Wayne's World Two is in there. Um, but like. <laughs> <laughs> You're not a with nail and eye fan, isn't? You know, we'll get into Alien hand. Resurrection, but it's the exact opposite of that. Like, there's this full of character actors, but I don't know. They're like major character actors. Like, you don't know what they're from, and I just so I didn't find anybody to attach myself to. Um, and the fucking CGI, and this isn't shouldn't always be a complaint, but it's shit. It it just rips me right out of the movie. It works so well in Alien 1 and 2 where it's the guy in suit and models and they try CGI and it sucks. Just flat out, it sucks. Um, Actually, it's, it's, it isn't even CGI. It's a, it's a puppet. But yeah, raw puppets. I, I agree Ooh. that it, it kind really? of it's, sucks. Yeah. It, but How do it, they... it was broad puppets that was composited into the frame, so it's yeah, like yeah. CGI. Yeah. Okay, okay, I see. It's, it's like a Star Wars ship flying through the the halls i mean okay um but yeah okay okay but still i think the only cg really shot was the the head cracking mm. okay. that's interesting um but yeah I, there I there's one you. there's one shot i'll let i'll let omar talk here just a second but there is one one shot of the alien um in alien 3 that i think is just kick ass and i'm sure they use it in the trailers when it's sort of sniffing ripley like the side of her face and just mm-hmm. dripping all that liquid as it as it kind of sniffs her, that shot is kick ass. It's it's super awesome. But that was the main one sheet, not the mm-hmm. teaser poster, yeah. but that was the main poster. That was uh, the yeah. iconic image of Alien Three. Yeah, and yeah. that's what got everyone to go to the theater. And then they got there and went, oh well, the rest of the movie is shit. Okay, that's that's my piece. <laughs> well, um, I am with Jay and, and Kurt. On this, uh, this I think of all of the films, I think this is the most that's most interesting in terms of like themes and ideas and stuff like that. And um, there, this was the first Alien film I saw theatrically, and uh, and I remember when it came out because the bad reviews had reached Iceland, and so I knew going in that it would 
it was would probably be a mess and i didn't really like it when i first saw it and and it wasn't until i watched the special edition that i grew to love it much more and 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 there are significant changes between the theatrical release and the uh, director's cut huge huge chunks were cut out of the film for theatrical release so uh, and 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 that that version made me appreciate it a lot more than I did before. But uh, and I actually really, really, uh, Marina mentioned the music, and I, r- I love the music in this film. And and it's the only soundtrack, Alien soundtrack that I bought. Because I That's really, sad. really love that. Lo- love the drone. You know, this really low key mood piece, basically this ambience piece, which is just is constantly almost through it. And, and you don't really notice it that much. It just kind of is in the background somewhere. And it's really, I really like how it builds the tension in the movie. And, and when we talk film scores, that's one of my favorite film scores of all time. And mm-hmm. I've used it ever, ever since 1993. I also bought the soundtrack on CD when it came out. Ever since 1993, that's when Halloween comes around and I'm handing out candy. I crank that out of my window it's very subtle and it builds and it is actually not much like like marina and andrew said there's not much going on in the score it's just a steady hum and mm. then there's one or two grace notes particularly right. that's used in the opening credits when the sun sets on fury uh, 161 where they where the the actual choir kicks in yeah. and it's actually i believe a catholic um melody which underscores the religion um element in the film well there's also you when mentioning how kind of uh ambient and uh, unobtrusive the score is there are some points where the the guy who did it is elliot goldenthal and he did the scores for the schumacher batman films and he did uh interview with the vampire and unfortunately he was the the uh, guy who I believe was responsible for the music in Across the Universe, um, but he. <laughs> oh, you had to get that one there. Um, but he has these like this very uh, distinct, uh, extremely bombastic, wailing trumpet horn section kind of thing that he does, and he does it in all of those movies. Like, if you listen to the Batman score, it, it just is this huge, like, building, like... Because <laughs> <laughs> that's the whole time I was thinking it sounded like Batman, and I was, yeah, like, wondering it, about that. Yeah, he does it in every movie, and, and there's one point in, in Alien 3. It's when you see the uh, escape pod or whatever come off of the Sulaco and, and the camera moves out onto the planet and you see it falling into the atmosphere and it's like I actually uh, yeah very good if I if I um, uh, my my mention another score which I actually feel is kind of similar uh, in feel and tone is the uh, score for uh, Event Horizon, which is one of my all-time favorite scores as well, which is just fantastic. And I can't remember who does the orchestra parts, but it was it was basically made by an orchestra and then remixed by Orbital, a uh, British techno band, basically. And and 
it is to alien, right? I mean, yeah. And actually, actually, I think I think the Alien Three score is is takes notes from the, the opening uh, score from Alien, which is basically just some sort of droning sound and and isn't intrusive in any way and just and, and basically the sound of space if 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 you would put it in that just this this vast emptiness with some sort of weird sound that kind of is everywhere and uh, and and yeah so well something i wanted to bring up i guess is just um the look of this movie like the um that's sort of like you mentioned kurt the post-apocalyptic almost kind of um future that you've you've moved from alien to aliens now you're in this and i think that i think the look of this movie has influenced a lot of the movies that came after like i don't i wouldn't even be surprised if the matrix like Mm -hmm. the the wachowskis were heavily influenced by the look of this but um although i think this was influenced by the look of uh it reminds me of ripley or ridley scott's ripley scott (laughs) 1984 commercial Mm-hmm. Right, yeah, that's yeah, and, um, and also, also, if I may, uh, the set was actually they because they built the set for the monastery idea of Alien Three. They had already started building the monastery sets, so they had to basically convert the sets they had built into the prison, you know, the cold concrete, and they were uh, the original sets were also all supposed to be wood and and there and that's why all the sets are have these you know huge gothic huge gothic feel to it and so i don't think because uh, the set wasn't designed exactly like that for the film it was designed like that by necessity basically so and and, and i think that it, in the end it became a, you know a happy accident that it looked the way it looked cool um yeah, I don't know. Like, I guess just uh, it definitely, you know, you feel like you're moving forward in in time, I guess, in a certain way, just because of how the movie looks. But, um, but I mean, that's one of the things I really do like about the movie. I mean, I like the look of it. Um, but there is like this sort of bleakness to the whole thing that I think turns turn turned me off this time when I was watching it. Um, and I don't know if maybe it's just kind of the where the movie goes right up to the end. Um, one thing I wanted to ask about was the end of the special edition. Now, I, I thought I remembered it, the end when I originally saw it. This, the the thing punch out of her chest and she grabs it or something. Yeah. And then yeah. they change that for the special edition. And in the original one, it, it's terrible. Like it, it's, it, it's not terrible looking. It's just, it's just, a, it's one of these like terrible ideas that, that would happen right then and there and yeah. and and the whole bit it's much better i again cuz i i always find all of the themes is some weird form of redemption sacrifice it's not even necessary like everyone in the movie uh well all the main characters in the movie um sacrifice themselves with the exception of the doctor which is interesting because he sort of made a mistake but with with his backstory you don't feel necessarily like he's responsible for but he you know he has reasons why 
he misdosed the medicine and ended up in the prison. And the reasons were that he was exhausted and he thought he was off shift and he went for drinking. So he's actually just killed randomly. But all the people that are like, you know, Morgan Freeman in, in um, the Shawshank Redemption where, you know, I'm the only guilty man here. I, everyone fully acknowledges that, yes, I have raped, I have killed, and I've found religion as that. And now they get to manifest that. And Ripley, who you know, at this point has been through all the other ones and knows that by escaping again, the corporation is just going to keep looking or whatever. And she does the, 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 um, Christ thing of actually sacrificing and having herself sacrifice when she's already gone is it destroys the theme voluntarily, voluntarily throwing yourself in the fire long before the gestation period is up makes far more sense than um they just wanted to make it punchier you know uh yeah in the thing just... and and that's what the problem with it, if if cuz i've seen the original theatrical cut far more times than i've seen. i've only seen the director's cut twice and i've seen the original one four or five times and not a lot of the plot makes any sense in the original. Like they just wanted to make it fast. They didn't. They didn't learn from Alien and Aliens, which are very deliberately paced at times. Like even Aliens, which is an action movie, takes forever to get going, and and the movie benefits from that. And in the original one, they the prisoners are even more alike. like. Like I know Andrew complained that even in the long one, they're just shaved headed and, and and indistinguishable. But I feel that I know the Gallic character and I feel like I know the Morse like the cynical character the actual one guy that lives and then a few of the other guys are not developed but you really get to know the doctor you definitely get to see Charles S. Dutton as like the patriarchal monk almost all of the scenes of him leading his congregation were cut and the big thing where they capture the alien in the original version they never capture the alien they just that footage is re-edited so awfully it's completely nonsensical in the original version whereas here you clearly um get a sense that uh that they actually succeed but then they're undermined within their own ranks which is every good zombie or people trap movie it's always the people you're with that are worse than who could be worse than like a per of a thing full of um prisoners and i guess I like all of that. I, I, I just find this is the most cerebral of the series. And mm. I find it's great that you had the, the um, pure terror and um, sort of well-grounded in the first one. And then you had the, the macho shoot em up and emotional. Like all the immediate reactions the the gut reactions in the second one and this one stands back and it doesn't let a lot of stuff going on it's actually it's a movie of presenting ideas and molding it into an alien horror whatever movie is such an unconventional choice especially when the blockbuster was moving at full steam and then they did, they somehow i don't know how it got through all the levels of suits that they said Let's just back this one right back and make, you know, like have it's essentially it's an art film. It's it's not any all that different than something like The Fountain, which and these always bomb. Every one of these I mean even Soderbergh's Solaris is the same thing. Uh as soon as you make uh a space movie where 
it's about ideas, it bombs. Mm-hmm. Well, um, do you guys, either of you guys know, or anybody else out there, um, do you guys know what the story was with David Fincher? Because this was his first um, major feature film, right? He had done music videos up to this point. And so, I mean, that's kind of a risk to, to bring him on board. But then during the whole process, he had to fight for his vision against the studio, which I guess is why the theatrical version is so cut down, right? Yeah. So, uh, the, the, the whole project was basically a cluster fuck from beginning. And they were racing against time and money. And I think he basically, I think he was hired as a last resort because they fired that New Zealand guy. Uh, and it's worth Yeah. And, and they, like I said, they w- had already started building sets and everything for his idea, which, which, what is so strange that, that the script that he wrote and got greenlit and they started all this preparation, <clears throat> excuse me, um, is so ridiculously absurd and so, you know, so much, you know, far left field from the other two that, that, that the Alien 3, uh, the Fincher version is, it, it, at least it brings it back to its own universe because uh, in, in the uh, Wins Ward, was it? Yep. Yep. In his version, it, <laughs> I mean, it, it took place on a wooden planet made from wood. It was basically Death Star made of wood with monks and so I mean and it you know and it probably would have looked fantastic but I'm sure it would have bombed even worse because it was so bizarre in every every way that uh, I'm I'm just it's weirder not only was everything wood but inside the planet was an in contained ocean and the monks the monks were wheat farmers, like so. Somehow they had wheat, f- so it had the everything made out of wood, an ocean in the middle of the planet, and mm. um, somehow endless fields of wheat. And uh, sure, it might have been visually interesting, but uh, well, it seems like the the whole idea was built just to be a like an allegory for like the the whole idea of the middle of the planet being the generator, being hell, and the alien being the the devil and Ripley being Christ, and it, it just is a little too heavy-handed. I think that yeah. idea, but a lot yeah. of those elements are retained in in the prison. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just yeah. aren't as heavy-handed. I think they're a little more sensible. And like, I love the rebirth that, sequence. The the sequence where they're throwing Newt and Hicks into the furnace, and mm. at the same time, it's cross-cut. In the original, it was a dog. In the director's cut. It's it's an ox, and I think the ox has some sort of religious signif- sig- significance. Um, but either way, it's a rebirth, cross cut with a death, and and the the sermon that's going on. It it's heavy handed, but in a great way. I <laughs> Andrew thought it was fabulous. Just, just blew his head off. <laughs> <laughs> I I like the heavy handed bombastic nature of the film, and I really don't tolerate it. <laughs> Yeah, that's and, on and me. Then, <laughs> much of the scary. elements, much of the uh, elements from uh, the original script were like the whole thing about 
them not having any weapons uh, was retained from the monk monk theme because they didn't believe in technology and only had like wooden sticks basically and fire. That was the only thing they had, and and the monks, religious monks, were basically just transformed into religious uh, prisoners. So, uh, well, I mean, that's the, the thing. Like yeah. a, a lot of what this series is about is taking Ripley, dropping her in this situation, and her. What happens to her is completely up in the hands of who she is around her, like who she's mm. surrounded by. So in the first one, she's surrounded by her fellow employees, and we're just getting to know the story. In the second one, she's surrounded by the military, and it seems like that would be the best possible scenario, but that goes to shit. And then in the third one, she's surrounded by prisoners. And Mm -hmm. I think for a a, a third one to have her just be surrounded by her family would have been a little bit of a, a disappointment for me. Yeah, true. Or to be surrounded by ordinary earthlings or... Like, you have to drop her into a situation where she is the person who is bringing everyone together and telling them how the alien works, what they have to do. And and the harder that is for her, like, to the harder it is for her to convince people, the more she has to fight against people, um, the more challenging it is just, you know, convincing people to, to fight that fight, uh, the more interesting it is. Indeed. All right, well, any other thoughts on Alien 3? Well, the last thing people tend to complain about the third one is the somewhat unclear geographically foundry sequence that's quite long, and I think it's intact in both versions. They've kept it where you have a lot of prisoners running through doors. Unlike Alien and Aliens, you really don't ever get a sense of geography it it actually hurts that scene and measure because mm-hmm. i do love the fish-eyed lens pov photography of uh, and and if, we never did mention the fact that the alien is not birthed out of a person so in this one it's walking on four legs which again mixes things up and and, and underscores that it takes on whatever it mm-hmm. is born from but i i i I can't really defend, I, even though I love the movie, I, I do find that that element, the final, what should have been the big action set piece, like in the first one with the strobes, or in the second one, which you know is like a, a lot of things, uh, the action sequence, the final action sequence, because the movie's been lumbering along for so long and far more uh, interested in developing its allegory and its themes and, and that it never quite manages to gear itself up. So the, the the final act, or at least the chase, the action beats in this film, they do fail. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, um, so I guess we should move on and talk about the fourth Alien movie, which um, has even less supporters than Alien 3, I think. But, um, of course, another interesting director in uh, Jean-Pierre Genet, and, um, of course, I guess we should also mention that it was written by Joss Whedon, which is kind of weird. Um, I, this is my first time rewatching it since I saw it in theaters. So, you know, it was weird because I remembered nothing, but as I was watching it, I totally remembered everything. And, um, the, the, it's, it's, I guess it's just interesting to me that the movie was so forgettable the first time I saw it. But, um... 
yeah, the Joss Whedon stuff, like it just makes so much sense that he wrote this now. Like it, there's so many Firefly parallels and like it's so jokey that it just, that's all I could think about most of the time when I was watching this. But uh, Kurt, thoughts? I hate this movie. I, it's funny. I laugh when I watch it. I laugh. I love all the one-liners. I love the Whedon-esque dialogue in the movie, but it is so not fitting in the movie. And when I watch this movie, you know, I, I know I understand Marina and, and, and Andrew find it offensive that they wiped out Hicks and Newt out of the, the, the story after building them up in Alien 2. What Alien 4 does is actually wipe the gravity and tone and weight of all the first three films and makes it into a big, dumb, stupid comic book action movie that never takes anything seriously for longer. It never, ever gets anything right or serious. It squanders all the production design. It they don't do a damn thing right in this movie. It's it's ludicrous and it's it's offensive that it was even made. And I love Jean-Pierre Jeunet, and I like Joss Whedon, but this movie, everything about this movie, and I like every almost every character actor in the movie I like in other movies, um, but everything about this movie, it's such a downer. I, I, at this point, I'm just calling it the Alien tri- Trilogy, and then there's Resurrection and Versus Predator. That's the other trilogy that I don't even want to think about. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I agree, and... <laughs> I guess rather than restate what you said, I'll get into a couple specifics. Um, I hate the uh, the acting in this movie. I hate the bullshit uh, kind of like choreographed ballet, like you know, making trying to make things look like they're lyrical and beautiful when it's just so forced. Like when she is uh, Ripley is in that. What is she in? Like a not a body bag, but. Um, some sort of fabric thing. I don't know if you remember, but she's on the floor and like writhing around in this fabric sack. Mm. And it's like, I can just picture the director being like, okay, I want you to, to, to play this as though you're being reborn. Move for me. Move for me. And like, just this <laughs> bullshit. And, um, uh, the, like the lieutenant, the lieutenant guy or the, the boss, he's a, a really well-known character actor. Dan Hedaya? Uh, yeah. So, um, going cross-eyed when he yells at people. Like, this <laughs> This is a very European movie. It, it reminds... It just is French to me. Like, uh, it, it's like Amelie, I guess, only with aliens. And uh, the cinematography... I, I like the, the lighting in it, and I like the oh, graininess, but the wide-angle lenses just don't do it for me. And the, you know, whenever someone shoots a gun, the camera, like just someone runs up to directly to their face and the angle of the lens is so wide that it's just this really warped sort of, you know, close up that is just so out of place. I mean, it's like a comedy. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, it was, uh, uh, who who was this? In, was it Harris Savita? No, it was Darius Conji. Darius Conji, who's uh, awesome. Yeah, he is. Yes. And that's the thing. Like, I like the look. Aside from the lenses and the camera movement, the camera movement is is retarded in this movie. The action scenes are shot just so. Um, they're so self aware 
And I, I'm not someone who cares. I, I don't really, in, especially in action movies, I don't want the camera to really be, the camera movements to be hidden. I want to feel the action. But the action in this movie, just it's just a complete misstep. Um, and the character of Ripley is such a fucking downer in this movie. Like, all she does is walk around and give one-liners and, like, I've been dead before, or whatever the fuck she says. Um, and she's just always doing... And I, I remember thinking this when I was watching it and then hearing it in the interviews afterwards that the way she moved, she wanted to replicate how the alien moved. So when she would stop and smell and, like my baby is near and like just that, that kind of direction bugs me where it's like someone thinking that they're being clever to get Ripley who's connected with the alien to move like the alien. That's not clever. It's obvious. I don't want to see Ripley walking around and, and moving like the alien. It, it, it just is self-indulgent and pretentious. They even put her in black leather to yeah, yeah, the yeah. latex look. It, well, it just and the thing is too. I all I kept thinking was somebody thought Alien Three. She wasn't sexy enough. We got to bring her back and make her like because the whole time she's like flirting with people and being all like it's just so yeah. And, and the sexy the sexiest we get is her laid out on a table with half a mutated face and her tit out. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I, I was I was laughing when Kurt was talking, and I'm sorry about that, Kurt, but I. I won't say now. This is the first time I've ever seen this, and it was the, the first second, time you've seen all of these. Yeah, it was the first time I've seen all of these back to back, like in full. Hmm. So I wasn't aware that it was Janae and um, Whedon until after the fact, and it's pretty obvious right off the bat. And for me, it's interesting because. Maybe it's because of the order that I watch them in. All of the movies feel really different from each other. And they just seem to be more of... Um, like, the first two really do feel like they're part of a set. Whereas the last two feel like completely independent films. Like, completely different. Like, in the same world, but completely different. And I actually don't hate this at all. I don't love it, but I totally don't hate it. And for me... So it's inside of – well, it has – I wouldn't even say it's inside the alien universe because really all you have is the alien. But everything else that goes into it, I absolutely love. I love the little bits of comedy. You're an idiot. <laughs> it was going to come out at some point. I don't know. I just – I have a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun watching this movie and it was the only one, surprisingly, I'm sorry, that I turned around as soon as it was over and I watched it again. Wow. Yeah, wow. I really like this movie. And probably because it is a bit goofy. It doesn't take itself too seriously. It's just a lot of fun. And I mean, granted, it might not be a great film. And Jay, I think you brought it up. The acting isn't even great. I don't, wouldn't even say it's good. But I don't know. For campy fun, loved it. Okay, Andrew? Well, um... If you frequent row three, you will find that Marina and I tend to agree a lot on movies. In fact, I don't know anyone who agrees with me more often than Marina, actually. I fucking love this movie. <laughs> wow. This is I don't I don't think it's seriously if you guys were here, I, I would punch you both in the mouth. <laughs> 
Um, well, you got into specifics. I can do specifics. <laughs> Thanks. Um, um, I I don't think it's the best one, but this is by far my favorite one. Like if if somebody said let's watch an alien movie right now, this is the one I would put in. Like Marina, she just wants to turn around, right around, and watch it again. Um, if someone said let's watch an alien movie, I'd ra- I'd rather watch Space Invaders. Than- <laughs> <laughs> see, and I I honestly I I honestly don't get that. I don't see where you're coming from. I wouldn't expect everybody to like any movie. But I don't. I the the hate on for Alien Resurrection truly baffles me, because I think it is so entertaining and it style points are huge in this movie. Um, I love all the character actors. I love all the bits of comedy. I love the set design. I love the art direction. Um, Janae is one of my favorite directors, and um, putting him with Joss Whedon and making a science fiction action movie. It just hits all the right notes for me. Um, all the character actors that you guys, I don't know, for whatever reason, you don't they don't work for you. I, they're awesome. I, Michael they Wincott all, they is all one of them. They work for me in other films, <laughs> just not yeah, in this one. Ron Perlman is brutal in this movie. Oh, no, he's so great. Is Brad Dourif, who's pretty awesome in just about and everything. Brad like, Dourif if you is could, great, if too. If you can get, no, 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 no. If you can get Brad yeah, Dourif. To look as awful, Brad Dourif looked awesome in the like uh, urban legends movies, and yet in this movie, I-, I was embarrassed for the guy, especially at the end when he's like the disembodied head providing like a Greek chorus to the new alien baby. But we'll get into that later. <laughs> I think I think all of these characters, um, there's something just sort of surrealistic. They fit in with this surrealistic world that they're on or ship that they're on um i mean i i don't know do you want my full like i can go into each little thing specifically about this movie that i think is just so much fun for one thing like the alien the like i said the art direction the set design the aliens look awesome in this movie they look really good um and that's a huge step up from the last one and uh i like they sort of have different versions of the aliens too. Like you finally get to see the big mother alien and then the sort of half human, half like uh, Ripley's baby or whatever. I think it's just really cool looking and it works. Um, the sound design. I mean, just like everything for me comes together with this movie. I, I, I do agree with the like sort of weird, you mentioned the part where she's in that like, egg sack or whatever there's another part where she sort of sinks into a oh, bunch of yeah. under the, the christ pose <laughs> yeah that that's a little corny agreed but but i don't know the rest of it one of my favorite <coughs> scenes of all time um period is the failed the room full of failed clones um again you don't like that guy's artwork fair enough the what's his name again hg Riger or whatever he didn't do any of that though no, in this one the guy who did all the special effects was pitov the guy who directed ba- uh, catwoman yes <laughs> no. Well, no it says on imdb on my it says side. yeah well well original Giger, alien oh, yeah original yeah, alien oh, creature oh, God. Yeah. but uh, um but, well whatever me, like those like when she goes into that room and they just spend time with the camera lingering on each of those um, failed clones is fucking awesome. You just I, like it because her tit was out. <laughs> well, there is that. There is that. I, I'll actually agree with you. I thought the visuals. 
that was one of the cool visuals in the movie. Like, it was all right, but the kill me, please, <laughs> was lame. I like that. And then I like Ron Perlman's um, little, after he says that, after she like completely blows everything away and he goes, what, what the fuck's a big deal, man? Must be a chick thing. Like all those bits of comedy. <laughs> <laughs> I dig. Uh, Omar? Yeah. Uh, count me in as one of the fans of this film because um, I wow. really enjoy. Yeah, I really enjoy it, and I think it's the uh, ensemble of, of fantastic character actors and um, the comic book and more. I mean, light-hearted uh, aspect of it, and it is more, you know, just a basic. Uh, action movie, basically just a light-hearted action movie, and 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 um, the, uh, the look of it and the feel of it is really nice. I love the like Andrew said. I love the special effects in this movie. The aliens are the best. Um, the favorite look of the aliens is in that movie, <clears throat> and um, I don't know. There's something about this film that I just really enjoy. And I, I think it's because it's so far removed from the uh, first three. And, and I also think that's the reason why people hate on it so much because it's, it, it, it just takes everything that's been built up before and just basically throws it out the window. And, and I think it's a conscious decision because I think the filmmakers realize how fucking ridiculous this whole storyline has become and um, especially how Ripley returns and it's 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 moronic really and and I think they they probably couldn't make a serious film yeah. using that plot device so I think they just said fuck it just have fun with it and let Jean Junet uh, do whatever he wants uh, with the people he likes and I think we have a kick-ass film but there are elements in it that I, you know, I'm not a big fan of. Uh, there, some of the art design, like the like the breath analyzer to open the doors, yeah. it's it's uh, it's a bit a bit out there. And I actually I really don't like Dominic Pignon in this movie because there's a French actor trying to speak with an American accent, and why the fuck not just have him being a Frenchman? And so um, those types of things really bug me, and 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 the baby alien. I'm not a big fan of the baby alien, um, and the sucking through the window. And, and uh, but the rest of it, like M Michael Wincott, I ha I would make out with Michael Wincott. And <laughs> right, after, right after Jeanette Goldstein, Vasquez and Michael Wincott. Awesome. Yeah, that's the best threesome ever. Not even Jeanette Goldstein. Vasquez. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because that 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 actor is so underused, and he's such a fucking badass. I mean, you are so right. You are so yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. The he's it, Oop the Crow, and every, I mean everything. I actually, uh, ten years ago, I wrote a zombie western with him in mind as the lead character because his voice and his mannerism just he's just oozes fucking badass. And, 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 and a and, meta, meta alien moment in Jim Jarmusch's dead man, Lance Henriksen eats him. <laughs> right. 
<laughs> and, and and it's such a shame that he's the first to die of the crew. Yeah. But um, but I really uh, like Andrew and Marina. I really enjoy this film, and and because it's so different from the rest, because I I I. I, I just don't let it bother me. At first, when I first saw it, I, I was kind of disappointed because I was expecting a regular alien movie. Mm-hmm. And then I got something completely different. And it wasn't until I saw, uh, read an interview with Junet that um, he basically said, this is a comic book movie. It's not a horror film. It's not gothic or anything like that. It's just straight up fun, fun action movie and so when I started to think about that and then I learned to appreciate it and start to enjoy it for what it was I totally get that I totally get that but it is interesting that Joss Whedon is fully on record saying that he was happy that they did not change his script at all they the, the pretty much everything that he wrote is in there but he also says that they didn't do a single damn thing right in the movie. It's interesting that <laughs> Whedon thinks that they botched every, like they got, they, they said all the words, but they didn't get the music. And you can see Firefly, like Jay, or Sean mentioned at the beginning, Firefly, you can almost map There's the, the, the crew of the exact, Betty. Yeah. Yeah. You can almost map them onto the Firefly cast. And Why is uh, that bad though? No, but I'm just saying that Firefly got the tone of it more. It just, I don't know, I, I, I don't find it fit in the Alien universe. And I, and I understand making it a complete comic book movie is exactly what they did. I just didn't think that that tone gelled in any way, shape, or form. I, I, the movie just feels like you've got three or four different people pulling it in different directions, which is ironic because taking James Cameron's out of the equation for a minute, Alien 1 and Alien 3 had loads of conflict between writer, director, and and and, and revisions, whereas Alien 4 seemed to be... The, the, there's no, at least on record, problems, or, or it, it was almost like a, for lack of a better phrase, yes-man set, and, and I think you get a really wobbly... And yeah, yeah, I get uh, all the jokes, and I do laugh a lot when I watch the movie. I just feel so disappointed because the thing is so weightless. It's so weightless, even by comic book movie standards, weightless. See, I I don't laugh at the jokes. Like the the line Andrew that you mentioned of the chick thing. What I picture when that line happens is Jay Leno standing at the door and being like, "Yeah, must be a chick <laughs> thing," and fixing his tie and walking away. <laughs> I mean, it's just. So the humor is just a little too dead on and, and a little too Artificial. obvious uh, for me. And I, just the movie overall is a, a little too quirky for me. It's too French. Uh, can I uh, also add on to what uh, Kurt was saying about the film running pretty smoothly throughout? Is that uh, Junet basically has said that I was going to do whatever the studio said. I was supposed to do. So he followed their, basically, advice or leadership or whatever. But it's also interesting to know that this film is the first time they use an established, already established director to uh, direct the film. Because Ridley Scott had done one very low-budget film on his own. 
James Cameron had done a low budget film that had accidentally become a huge hugely popular film. David Fincher was the first film, and then they bring this guy who's done three films before, right? He or had he only done Delicatessen and Seed of Lost Children. And so and so he was already established as a very uh, competent and and, and and talented filmmaker and and the end result is a film that's universally hated by the fans it's, one uh, thing um, yeah. one thing I really like about this movie is the other three are all the whole time the whole premise basically of the other three is the either the military or some corporation is trying to capture the alien that's their ultimate goal they want to get this alien and use it as a weapon and with alien resurrection you finally get to see what it is you, you you see that played out. Okay, this corporation <clears throat> or this military um, organization finally has the aliens. They have them. They're breeding them, and they're using human trafficking to um, to to for the face hugger things to um, to breed more of them. And like how they imprison them, and studying them, and what they're gonna do with them. I loved all that. Like I liked how they kept them in cages. And then the way to keep them in control would be fucking blast them with liquid nitrogen. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I loved how the brilliant, well, I don't know if it's brilliant, but I like the way that they figure out how to escape from the, you know, the, the two aliens just finally say, you know what, fuck it. We're going to turn on this third one, kill him, the blood will run out, and we'll, get it, we'll be able to escape. Um, that's actually, that's like, actually a, a, a element that many fans hate because... They indicate that they are actually not the mindless drones that the uh, first and second no, and third smart. indicated. Yeah, they, they, they actually know how to communicate. Use an elevator. <laughs> yeah. They set a well, they set a trap. Um, you know, in the water, that water sequence. No, but the whole script and all of the alien actions, you've you've nailed exactly what my chief problem is. It's all written from a like a fanboy. Uh, sitting around, wouldn't it be cool if 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 this happened. It's, it's, it's completely like fanboy wankery. All of the like the worst scene in the entire film that underscores my main problem is when uh, the character actor Leland Orser, uh, who is I believe someone they pick up on the way. He's the. Um... Are you eating what, Doritos? What is or that? What? It stopped. magazine away. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, when Leland Orser, who's impregnated guy. with an alien, and they pick him up, when he's about to pop like uh, John Hurt or whatever, he knows to go over to the sort of boo hiss bad guy and hug him so that the alien rams through him. That scene. Is just someone saying, "Wouldn't it be cool if it makes no sense on any level whatsoever? Every part of that makes no sense." And I just find that lazy panderingness to be offensive, and and I just can't look past it when I watch the movie, which makes the movie such a bad experience for me. Well, I think it's interesting too <laughs> what you're saying about it being kind of like a like a fan script almost, and like it like it feels to me it's like an alien spin-off you know what i mean like and i think the thing i could maybe have accepted that except for the fact that sigourney weaver is in this and we're kind of supposed to believe that this is ripley in a way but it's not and like that like it's she's 
plays it totally different. And like, it just, that bugs me the most out of anything in this movie, like her character and like, didn't have to be there at all. Yeah. Without her, I might've been able to accept this as just kind of a campy action horror in the alien universe. But with her there, it's like, well, no, I want to see the character I know from the first three films, not like a clone of her or whatever. Um, I think it kind of fits in with. Well, I, I see that. That's a valid argument. I just kind of see it as she fits in with the sort of surrealistic, everybody's kind of fucking weird in this movie tone. And yeah. That's the all. other thing that really fails for me big time is Winona Ryder. She's terrible in this movie. Like, I, I didn't well, remember her being really good. Well, I guess, but I mean, like <laughs> she, she has her moments, but like, I didn't remember like rewatching this. I was just like, wow. Like every single line she delivers is just falls flat. And, uh, yeah, I don't know whose idea that was, but it was a bad one. Agreed. Well, yeah, they had to throw an Android in like they figured, well, we've had an Android in the other ones, although they, there's not one in number three other than what's left of Bishop. So they, they felt like. It's almost became an alien cliche that there would have to be that sort of white. There had to be some scene where someone spits up or gargles cream of mushroom soup for the camera. It's <laughs> like a. It's like it's like you can't have an alien movie without it. Yeah, that's actually a uh, what um, Sean was actually saying. I I I tend to agree with that they uh, could have and probably should have left Ripley out of the film. Uh, because I, I I don't understand this argument with film fans that there shouldn't be an alien movie without Ripley. I mean, this is the universe. I mean, this th- there's no way that this could happen to just one person, and and whoever she happens to uh, meet. And so that I don't understand why people scream and shout if if they're going to make an alien movie and Ripley is not in it. It's, it's just stupid that they, that she should have to be in every single fucking alien movie. Her character well, that, is done. That's and, the and studio. So, I'm sure yeah. that's the studio <laughs> saying, hey, this is Sigourney Weaver's franchise and she's our money box office star and and it makes us sell them. It's hard. Like, look at the Alien versus Predator movies. I mean, the, yeah, they've combined two other concepts in those other films, but they don't have the star sell, which these were big budget films and they the studio wants to hedge their bets by uh, – I don't actually have a problem with them. I actually thought the idea was kind of clever that they were cloning it. But the idea was clever, but the execution of the idea is terrible because somehow they clone her DNA, but she has memories. Like how do how do memories work their way into a DNA sequence? It just it just doesn't make any – like it's well, funny. Cause which they, which they address in the movie. Way, the first couple go out of their way to have at least a, a, a hint of hard science in them, and this one, this one can't get gravity. I mean, the underwater sequence, the, the, the you know the the distance and time and the amount of action, it just doesn't make. Everything is sacrificed for the sake of cool, and that's why I hate comic books. I mean, it's not why I hate comic books, but it's the element of comic books that tends to irk me. You know when. Plot, character, everything is sacrificed for that one cool image. And that's what this movie does again and again and again. Like Cowboy 2. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> hey, here's an interesting... No, it's, uh, it's, okay, go ahead. 
sorry, just interesting bit of trivia. Like you're talking about them being big budget movies. I was curious what they made at the box office and both alien resurrection and alien three actually made way more, uh, at, at the foreign box office than domestic alien three made like 104 million foreign 55 million domestic and um, Alien Resurrection made 113 million foreign, 47 domestic. It's the so, French, I guess. <laughs> and that's and actually, that's what I that's my main beef with this movie. It just not the French, but <laughs> it's just w- too quirky. It and I'm not just talking like story or character, but visually, I just it does not. I didn't like the style of it, and that that opening sequence that they put back in that they originally yeah, cut is, out it, is just the worst. Yeah. Oh, it's horrible. I, yeah. I'm glad they cut that out. <clears throat> but um, so, I mean, it's pretty visually. It's it's very. It looks a lot like Amelie, I think, and even <gasps> City of Lost Children to some degree. I mean, so I, I, I mean, Amelie is very quirky. I guess, but I love that. Yeah, movie but too. I, I, I'll, well, first off, I, at this point, don't remember a thing about Amelie except her turning a lamp on, or something. <laughs> but um, I haven't seen Delicatessen, and I haven't seen the other one. Uh, really? Yeah, I. Yeah, I, well, you should uh, at least. Uh, yeah, well, you should check out these two. Uh, I actually haven't seen Amelie, uh, but I saw I, uh, very long engagement. Yeah, yeah, I don't think true. it'll change my mind on Alien Resurrection, though, because I don't think that that style meshes well with this type of film. It just the action sequences really bugged me. I didn't, I didn't like the style of the action. I didn't like the characterizations. I thought it was too over the top. I don't like a, an extreme wide angle lens with someone screaming into it and their eyes going cross eyed. That's not well, comic book to me. That's just cartoon. And well, but, I. But, but, you I don't mind should. cartoony stuff, but within this film, it just tonally is is too all over the place. I'm not a big Joss Whedon fan either. I don't think that his dialogue is particularly funny. Um, and yeah, uh, yeah, I'm just <laughs> overall. But you did like the basketball scene, right? <laughs> That's awesome. I like that. I like that they claim that she made that shot. Yet. <laughs> Like, yeah, you, I, even if she you, did, it still goes off frame, so it doesn't matter. They they um, actually show show the uh, outtake uh, in the special features. They show the raw footage, and she actually does it. And and Ron Perlman. I, I think I think that that was doctored. <laughs> <laughs> did, um, did the whole did the rest of the cast when she did that? Did the, was the take completely ruined because the rest of the cast went, "Holy fuck, she hit it." Yeah, yes. Within the tone of this film, them doing that would uh, probably fit. No, if well, everyone Ron, was like, they, <laughs> they did have to cut around because Ron, Ron Perlman said, holy fuck, or something when she made it. Like, he totally broke character. But when he walked so. away, was he like, must be a chick thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just, I like, I don't know. I don't hate the film. I, It's a, a lot better than a lot of... Uh, you hate Other. the French. I just hate the French. <laughs> Garlic I hate bests. I hate wide angle lenses being shoved in people's faces, and it re- it uh, reminded me of a commercial, like a quirky commercial, where if you, you know if, some. If you don't like wide angle lenses shoved in people's faces, you shouldn't check out his first two films. No, so, <laughs> no, they're, all, they're all, yeah. basically they're nothing but that. 
That's what um, I mean. in in terms of visual. You mean take out the aliens and the sci-fi element? He this movie is very much Genet. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's auteur as you can get. Just about. well, I I it doesn't really matter to me. Like I I. I think applying his visuals to this film for me personally doesn't work um maybe i mean i i remember i've seen amelie i i remember liking it um i actually have delicatessen at home i got it in a bargain bin and plan to watch it at some point but um i i i don't know i'm kind of particular about my action sequences and i can be easily turned off by certain things and um although this didn't really go completely over the top in like a wanted kind of way or like X-Men Origins did recently. Um, just some of the, the stuff that I thought, you know, was a little bit of camera wankery didn't work for me. Like when, when the guy pulls out his two guns and the camera like like goes up above him or something and uh, like just uh, Ron Perlman's just sort of attitude in it was a little over the top for me and um i fucking yeah, love I, it when he's climbing up the uh when he's climbing up the ladder and he's just fought all those aliens and then he looks up and there's like a little teeny spider right in front of his face and he freaks out and he pulls out his fucking gun and just blows it away that's the kind of shit you hate right no i i didn't mind and that I, that's and see, I think that's, where he's like flipping over backwards that's what shoot. i was thinking of yeah. when the backwards <laughs> thing like the guy right. just has to pull two guns you know, lean backwards, shoot, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, um, well. But I, I, I don't know. Yeah, to each his own. Every single scene just about in this movie, fucking, I, I'm, I love it. So. So was this the original Row 3 argument then? Or no, you said yeah, it was Yeah, because he loved Alien 3, and I fucking hate Alien 3. And he hates Alien Resurrection, and I like Alien Resurrection. So we went on about it for quite a while in a bar. And over beers, it gets a little more intense. (laughs) (laughs) So we finally settled it once and for all here on the Movie Club podcast. I'm right. What's Jay's catchphrase? (laughs) (laughs) It's shit. I'm I'm already used that. We can't use it again. (laughs) I thought it was, you're an idiot. (laughs) That's what I was hoping for. Okay. Your shit. So yeah, one overall final thought about all of them. Um, I I don't know what the, I'm sure there's some meaning, and you guys can all tell me. I love the names of all the ships: the Nostromo, the Auriga, the Narcissus, the Sulaco. Um, the penal colony is Fiorina. And then, of course, the pirate ship is the Betty. But I love all those names. I, do you guys know where they came up with those? Because they're awesome names. Uh, Greek mythology. Yeah, I mean, they sound like Greek. Well, no, no, actually, they're from uh, the Nostromo and the Narcissus uh, are from no- are from two novels, although the, the author of the novels is escaping me uh, right now, even though you're right. John writing, Grisham? <laughs> no, not, not it's not Tom Clancy either. Um but uh, the other names um but it Joseph it's funny Conrad. that you Joseph, thank you the the guy who wrote um Heart of Darkness. But oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. the it's funny when you mention the ship names because that's exactly 
that that sums the tone of the film. It starts from uh, um, you know high-minded literacy um, things to I, I guess the, it ends up in the third one with the uh, with the uh, sort of Christian thing, and then it's just the slang baby. for a chick <laughs> in, the, the in the last one. <laughs> it's cool though. It's a bunch of pirates, you know. What else are you gonna do? True, Jenny. I will say that Alien Resurrection is better than the two Aliens versus Predator films. Both. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's not high praise. But... All right, so well, overall impressions. Are we gonna rank them here, each individually, or why don't we all pick a favorite? Okay. Well, my favorite one, despite my over compensating for alien three my my favorite one is the first one i you know it, to be perfectly honest it, even if i'd rank them i'd just rank them in order i the only problem with the except i i group all three of the first ones practically on top of each other they're all good for their own different reasons and then there is a there is a mile between number four but um the one i've watched the most the one i enjoy the most the one that i has aged the best uh, in in every capacity is is the first one, and that's that's my favorite. By that's my favorite of the month. I would say that one and two I would group the same. I, I they're both perfect for me in in different ways. But um, to actually rank them, I, I will put Aliens at the top, then Alien, then Alien Three, then Resurrection. But I again, like you said, all three of them are pretty much like. The difference between those ones are pretty minute. Marina? Um, I didn't really give this much thought. So I would say one and two and then four. And I could forget three ever existed. Okay. <laughs> um, as weird as it might sound, I kind of think one and four, it would be sort of a toss-up between those two for very obviously different reasons. Then, then two and then three, I... I really didn't want to watch it for this podcast. Um, that's why I put it off for so long. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, for me, I think I have to say the first one because it's, as a whole, you know, complete piece, it hits all the right notes. It, it's so perfectly paced and it looks so great and it handles the material in such just a almost a perfect way and so as a you know a really good piece of filmmaking alien is the one but mm -hmm. i really really enjoy alien 3 and alien 4 as well i, I it's strange to you know consider uh, compared to this i put aliens at number 4 but i, I can't really rank them in, in a numerical way in that sense but i think as a as a it's almost a perfect horror film, and then Alien has to be it. Uh, and yeah, I would rank, rank Alien number one as well. Um, I would rank them in order, but I would definitely, for me, the separator is between one and two, and then three and four are farther down the chain. Um, so yeah, and AVP, way down there. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen AVP too. Oh, that's, um, it's, just that's, inside, worse. that's yeah. fucking horrible shit. It is. Oh, oh. The fact we saw it is even sadder. Yeah, I downloaded yeah. it. So. <laughs> I didn't pay money for 
I think it's too bad so we didn't pretty much, read pretty much Harrington consent. on here. You would have picked those. <laughs> um, uh, pretty much a consensus then that just the original Alien is pretty much far and away the best of the best of the bunch. Well, it is the original. As a consensus. Um, okay, so um, pretty pretty long podcast. Thanks for listening. Um, I guess for next month's uh, choices, voted on by you, the listeners, Natural Born Killers was the uh, first title. And we've decided to pair that with, uh, is it Andrew Dominic? Is that his name? Uh, his film oh. Chopper. Andrew Dominic, isn't that the actor? Or is it, is it? the... Uh... Is it? What's the guy from Prison Break? The the guy with the big neck. Isn't he Andrew Dominic? No, he's Dominic Purcell. He definitely <laughs> directed Chopper and the assassination of Jesse James, which is fucking yeah. weird. But yep. Yeah. All right. So yeah. serial killer flicks for the next um, next movie club podcast. Um, anything else before we close it off here, guys? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, I gotta go watch Lost, so let's wrap it up. Yeah, so the I guess we'll have another poll up for the uh, for the following month's episode. So head over to movieclubpodcast.com and uh, chime in with your thoughts on the Alien quadrilogy. And um, that's about it. Check out uh, Row Three, Film Junk, yep. Twitch, the documentary blog, and uh, we'll see you next time here on the Movie Club Podcast. <laughs>